Since 1991, Caballero Pools and Spas has been dedicated to creating an outdoor living space that will provide endless hours of fun and entertainment for your entire family. They specialize in offering excellent service and delivering top quality craftsmanship at a reasonable price. They will transform your yard into something unique and distinctive, a customized masterpiece that reflects your individual preferences. Their experience will ensure that your new backyard is something you will be proud of for years to come. Whether it's a minor project or a large master plan, Caballero Pools and Spas will help you get there. Check them out at cabpools.com or reach them at mark at cabpools.com or call 714-309-2890. Getting a new vehicle can be stressful, but not at Lake Elsinore Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram. That's where surfers go inland to purchase their new and used vehicles. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Neon Wave. Neon Wave is an internationally local shop, a concierge to the modern nomad. They bring together carefully chosen surf, fashion, art, and snowboarding gear with a curatorial eye that's drawn to the best of the best, technicality, creativity, and sustainability. Their team is born from nature, raised by the wave, and nurtured by the culture they support. This is Neon Wave. We look forward to moving forward. Check them out at thisisneonwave.com. Earth Pack, customized eco-friendly retail and e-com packaging since 1989. In a time of increasing environmental awareness, Earth Pack is an advanced supplier of affordable recycled packaging for businesses of all sizes. EarthPack provides custom products and services and continues promoting sustainability while fulfilling the individual packaging needs of eco-friendly retailers nationwide. Check them out at earthpack.com. Just live. We believe a life is meant to be lived to its fullest potential. In order to do that, you need to feel at your best, both physically and mentally. We founded this community to share what we found as professional athletes that can help people of all walks of life. So, you can go out and do exactly what you're supposed to do. Just live. Amis et familles, frères et sœurs, bienvenue au podcast Telluit Night with Shoxi. In other words, Friends and family, brothers and sisters, welcome to the Late Night with Chalky Podcast. We're just mixing it up, catering to our international listeners. Thank you very much, Lyndon. More French people, please. Our guest this week has three decades of experience in action sports. Regional, national, and director of sales. 20 years of which have been focused on the eyewear category, working for Arnett, Spy, and Filtrate. Added experiences with working for bands, Richard Poor and Salty Crew has helped catapult him to where he is today. Woo-hoo-hoo. How do we wow. get these fucking amazing guests? We are stoked to sit down and congratulate him on his new US sales director position at Rhythm. Woo-hoo. Mr. Sean Fleurs Flurio. Did I say that right? Oh, got it right. I mean, Close enough. You got a lot of I mean, like nobody owls. ever gets it right on the first go, but I mean that was pretty impressive. Well, I butcher that's a cool. lot of names and he a lot does. of words. So. He does. That's quite, that's quite the uh, intro there, fellas. Dude, I mean, let cheers. us cheers proper with our shoot. favorite uh, shoots Japanese beer lager. Like yeah, it. it's good stuff. You guys, gotta hunt that down. Where can I find it? Anywhere in San Clemente? I don't know yet. Okay, let me we'll know. find out. 
They're going to start distributing it though. But it's tasty. Oceanside will help support the sponsors. Yes, yeah. always, always. Yeah, and if you guys have any um, alcoholic beverage uh, connections, we like that. Yeah, I used to. We had a salty crew beer when I was over there, which was yeah. pretty good. <laughs> nice. Salty blonde. Yeah. yeah, but technically, I still might have a couple left in the fridge. I'm nice. sure. I'm sure that you can just make a phone call and they'll send you a case. You could probably just run over there. If you guys want. <laughs> yeah. Well, still we, know the code unless they change it. Yeah. Well, we're in Irvine at your corporate headquarters. Yep. Thank you. I know it's Christmas or holiday week. You know. Yeah. I mean, we're salespeople. We're yeah. always working, right? Always. always. Clock. Yeah. Well, thanks, but every damn yeah. day. But yeah, this is a killer. Um, it's a pretty cool little operation. Yeah. It's all inclusive. So we ship. We do finance. We sell shit. Um, yeah. You guys are sitting in the design room right now, and uh, yeah, there might be some you know some sneaky peek 2004 stuff. You, you hear that? Maybe I'll nice. do a little walk around yeah, and you know real quick. Won't get any. Uh, and rhythm and rusty <clears throat> share the same building. Same owner. Same owner. Same building. A lot of the same kind of shared resources, but we do have like. Um, you know, we have a rhythm team here, management team, and we have a rusty management team as well. Awesome. So, but yeah, well, it's pretty well, cool. Before we dive deep into the here and now, let's start at the beginning, bro. The beginning. I mean, yeah. sit here in Irvine, do you grace with the presence of HB's finest. <laughs> HB's finest. I'm looking He's at him right here. Me, He's I, know. Me. I know he is. Yeah. I know he is. Dude, let me give me some waves when I come up. You know, I haven't made it to the pier yet, but. Thanks Neither has he. Neither yeah. have I, really. Yeah. I'm not a pure guy anymore. So you, you grew up in San Clemente? So okay. raised in San Clemente. Been in San Clemente pretty much my whole life. Nice. Um, I was actually born in, like, Agora Hills. Wow. Like Just like your best friend, Enoch. Enoch was, yeah, I think he's... Thousand Oaks or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So Agora's right there, right? Yeah. Yeah. Right there, yeah. So the valley... So I was born there, um, parents split when I was two years old. So my dad stayed up in uh, that area, the valley. And then my mom bolted for San Clemente, had some friends down there and had a job waiting. So <clears throat> that was my primary place of residence. Yeah. So yeah, I've been in San Clemente since I was two. Nice. So 49, so long time. Yeah. 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 But. What a great place to grow up, though. Yeah, you know? I, mean, I feel super blessed, and you know, I mean, probably wouldn't have, you know, grown up surfing in the surf community if I wouldn't have been in San Clemente, or maybe I don't know. I yeah. remember, you know, when I was younger, um, you know, I would still go up to like the valley to visit my dad, like summer weekends and stuff, and he'd take me down to like Malibu and Zuma. You know, I had the Mori boogie in the back, so learn it. Did your dad surf? He said, or my dad did just, not. Just yeah. Was supporting you, taking you? Yeah, just go to the beach, you yeah. know, summertime in the valley. It's hot. like 115. You're like, get me the Let's go over the hill. Here. Yeah. So just through the canyon and yeah, learn how to ride a boogie board, whitewash. Yeah. Boogie boarding is the. It's where we all started, right? Yeah, it's where it all begins. Um, so what, uh, how did you get into surfing? Or how old were you too? <clears throat> so. Technically, I was like, let's see, I think I was like nine years old, and it was the first summer 
for me where my mom worked full time. The first summer that I didn't have to go to like some camp or something, day camp yeah. or something like that. So my mom, my neighbor, buddy, he was like a year or two older than me. So finally my mom's like, okay, I'm gonna let you stay home. I was nine, you know, no cell phones, like, you know. I was you get arrested now for that. Kid, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, dude, for sure. I was like, I still I mean, kind of trip out on that. Yeah, I mean, back then, parents kind of let loose or let go of, you know, their kids early, earlier, like, you know, six, seven years old. For sure. You know, and, and if you go back even further, dude, guys like Herbie Fletcher are already working at six years old doing paper routes. <laughs> oh, well, Herbie, that'll come up in a minute. But so I was nine years old, first summer, like had, you know, some freedom. So I lived about three blocks up from the pier. Nice. And so, yeah, on Ola Vista, if you guys are familiar with that little zone right there. Um, yeah, so like every day that summer I'd walk down the pier with my buddy and we just go boogie board south side so couldn't go to the north side because north side was where all the surfers were and yep it's kind of a gnarly. did they blackball like south side no south side was blackballed so it's only like t- until t-, t street you know like just a little bit by the pier um i think it was actually yeah from t street in the summertime it's t street to south side of the pier yeah blackballed, blackballed. yeah yeah so we had the same thing in yeah. Huntington, but it was and so, so you and your buddy would be on Southside South side. boogie boarding. Boogie boarding, yeah. So and, was, and checking out the surfers. So I was checking out the surfers, you know, kind of watching. And I had a couple friends that I went to school with that were already surfing, surfing the pier. And I would kind of see them over there. I was like, fuck, those guys are, are good, you know. Like, they kind of rip. I don't know if you guys remember, like, Wyatt Deerlove, that name rings a bell, Joe mm-hmm. Stoffer. So those guys like basically lived at the pier and um, I just remember they had like their team Hobie surfboards and Wyatt like he rode for Quicksilver. Already? Yeah. I mean those guys were rippers. Like nine years old. So probably started when they were seven. I was just learning to boogie board pretty much like nine years old. So spent that summer down at the pier, learned to boogie board, started standing up on my boogie board. So next year I was 10 and finally convinced my mom like to give me a surfboard I need to get in the game like everybody's starting to surf and I'm still like this kook down on south side with a boogie board so first surfboard my mom takes me down to Herbie Fletcher's surf shop which is now the catalyst Catalyst, yeah right so that was like 80s like early 80s and uh yeah I walked in and walked out of there with a 510 Midget Smith Twin Fin. Nice. And I wasn't still... First board. First board. Brand nice. new or used? Or? It was used. Yeah. Yeah, it's 510. Couldn't fit it under my arm. That sounds like a me. magic board for today. Dude, I wish it, I could find it. All right. Midget was R.I.P. Midget, but man, he was he had incredible you know, shapes and stuff. Was What were the other kids riding? Like, Did you know like shapers or anything? You're just looking for a board your size. I mean, yeah, it was like Herbie Fletcher yeah. was pretty much, you had, at that time, I think you had like three shops in San Clemente. You had Herbie, you had Brian Clark, which was BC. So On the other guys, corner. So BC, um, I think Hobie was there actually at okay. one point, but BC was kind of like the go-to surf shop for like the north side of town. Mm. And then you had the south side of town, which was Stewart. Yeah. 
and then like way south was Rip Curl. So that wow. was kind of how I was broken out. Hmm. And um, now, did you as a Grom go to all these shops too? So for me, so I got my first board there. You know, I was living by the pier. So technically, I learned how to surf at the pier um, when I was ten, and then like ten, eleven, somewhere in there, ended up moving to the south end of town. So I moved over by like you know where the golf course is, the municipal golf course, yep. south end of town, kind of over by like um, like Pedro's. Okay. You know, Pedro's. Yeah, yeah, is. Yeah. Everybody knows where Pedro's is. Yep. World's famous fish tacos. Born and raised on that stuff, but. Um, so ended up moving over there, and so then I started going to Riviera. So Riviera at that point was kind of my go-to. So I'd say I probably spent more time there growing up, learning how to surf. Which is kind of not a very easy beginner wave, so it's good to graduate and go there to a yeah. whole new, like, kind of wave-breaking. Like. Well, it's just, you know, it's a different scene. Like, the pier back then growing up was kind of gnarly. Yeah. You know, it was, like, pretty he- rogue. Heavy dudes, like... Well, it's local, pretty localized, you know. Like, yeah. Who who are you looking up to, or like, who do you remember being like, whoa? I know the Wyatt kid, but like, your yeah, age like group. my buddies Joe and Wyatt, they were my age though, so it wasn't really looking up to them. I mean, for sure, it was like Matt Archibald. Yeah. You know, you know Archie was at the pier every day. Um, like him and Dino. Yeah. Pretty much, were like the shit. Shane Nashin too, right? So Shane, yeah, Shane was more like T Street though. Wouldn't really see him at the pier, so I didn't really know Shane until a little bit later. And what's, I mean, sorry to interrupt, but how wild is it? Like, here's the pier, <laughs> and T Street is fucking right there. Dude, still today, it's like, it's like, it's kind of broken up your pocket. Something yards. Yeah. We right? Talk, we it talk is. about that at, at a lot of breaks, not necessarily like, hey, this quality, if you take quality or, or the, the wave, <clears throat> you know, itself, but just every, you know, 100 yards, every half a mile, whatever you have the locals for that particular like area of the beach and it's like for do sure. you know there's a better wave that way or sometimes there's a better wave that way and then people just go to the same spot i trip i mean i had no idea you know i'd probably look at t street when i was down at the pier and just didn't even know anything about it did, did you ever go to or well did you go to the 1990 studies <sighs> no uh budweiser Sort of PSA. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. I watched that video <laughs> last night. No, no way. way. Yeah. Dude, I, was, I was just watching some of those too. It's so amazing, right? I was lurking on YouTube trying to find D-Boss stuff. Yeah. And 1990 PSA at north side of San Clemente Pier. Do you know when it? No, dude. Wow. So here's the final. Did Archie win it or Slater? No, dude. None of those guys. Chris Frohoff. Whoa. The biggest, tallest guy. Goofy foot. Dude, that guy is a contest machine. Frohoff? Yeah. It was Frohoff, McNulty, uh, Archibald, and Vinny De La Pena. Yep, Vinny was a... Yeah. Those four guys in the final. That's funny. I was just watching the Lowers one, that Christian one, like two nights ago. 89. Yeah, was that 89? Yeah. It was like Colin... Smith, Colin Smith, Colin Smith. It was like Vinny, like Dino. Um, yeah. So these guys were like the dudes when you were up and coming, like a grom. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, for sure. You know, I was 
like glued to Mavrichabal. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Archie was definitely, I think, the most like progressive. And um, everybody's looking at Archie, you know, like yeah. yeah. And Dino too. Dino was right there. You know, Archie I think was more like free surf and just like super radical. And Dino was kind of more like the contest guy. Yeah. But it's both of them. And then you know down at the pier it was like Jim Hogan. He was down there a lot. Jim Pinkerton. Nice. Um, who else? Well, the Minolties. Yeah, Minolties. Yeah, Pasquits. I didn't really see those guys down yeah. there. You know, they're probably lurking down there. Yeah, there's there's a scene. You know, Snips was more like T Street. Yeah, you know, like Snips and Crick Shank, and uh, Flamingo. Wardo, like a young Wardo. Steve. You know, no, Chris. Uh, Chris Ward. Okay. Yeah, like a young Wardo, um, and then Steve Ward. Um, kind of hooked up with Steve Ward a little bit later when I started to um, surf more like trestles, cottons. Um, kind of got down there but yeah so started at the pier learned how to surf there and then moved to south end of town and then it was like ribbies until i got a car and was able to drive and then it was like t street a lot of t street you know gotta yeah. get down there swaggles is shooting in the morning you know you gotta get in front of the camera um, he just passed this year huh yeah yeah recent. rest in peace um and he was a local photographer the local photographer yeah that yeah. shot t street pretty yeah. much he was like pretty much the only guy yeah you know like creek you had flame and then sank mini had pretty much fred swaggles mm-hmm. yeah so yeah he was the man and and he would be at lowers every afternoon shooting into the lefts is that what he did that was well that was you know Lowers is kind of a funky hard place to shoot but like in the afternoon you got that kind of backlight on the left yeah yeah I know that. Yeah. Yeah, you do. <laughs> Photo slut. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so your your who's your like you know your rat pack? You talked about why and who else? So I mean, like you know, I guess my my circle. Yeah. Was like Enoch, you know, Enoch and his younger brother Ethan. Nice. Ethan was a really good surfer. So like that crew, um, Eric Crane. You know, Crano, he showed up, I think we were sophomores, came over from New Jersey, and uh, Crano had like the freaking big house right there at T Street. So he was in the lineup, all of a sudden we see like this dude like in the lineup at T Street all the time, you know, like every day, and we're like, who is this guy? And he's like, you know, a pretty energetic guy. We start seeing him in high school, and um, so yeah, I got to be friends with Eric Crane and his sister, Heather, I don't know if you guys know his sister, but like his sister was like super hot like she was miss op no way in huntington like 1992 yeah she was miss op we're gonna have to look that up really yeah you guys missed that one (laughs) oh i was on the beach for sure yeah you were probably there i was like i was probably there i was working at hss i was i was probably down there surfing in bourbon yeah (laughs) yeah so it's like enoch ethan um eric crane chad navarro yeah. Who you guys probably remember, Chad. Chad yeah. ripped. Um, Chad, great surfer. Um, Benji Severson. Yeah. You guys know Benji. Nice. Yep. You know? Yep. Um, yeah, there's so many good guys. Yeah, so that was kind of like, you know, the, the circle. And yeah. what was your, like, progression after, like, getting that first twin fin, you know, that midget? So it was, you know, rode that for a little bit and then kind of quickly realized, like, I need something more my size. So then I jumped into um, 
started riding BCs, not Bruce Brian Cormarty, Clark. Brian Clark. Yep. And so I got I got my first like kind of true shortboard thruster. New uh, custom or it just used custom, again? Custom, brand new. Nice. And, and um, yeah, was he like? I see Brian. He surfed Riviera a lot. Yeah. And so I'd see him down there and was progressing. You know, it was like kind of starting to like. Um, Do some turns. Yeah, you know, I mean, like, trim, like, like legit, like, be able to surf. And so um, he's like, God, you know, you should start doing contests. Mm. And so I was. Brian Clark told you this. Yeah, so it's Brian. Brian's like, yeah, why don't you do some contests? He's like, you know, if you if you can do good, you know, maybe we'll get you on like a team program. And Epic. So back then, you like know, shop flow kid, like shop. boards and boards because he had a shop, but he was also the shaper. Yeah. And, so and remember, some of your friends were already sponsored, right? Friends already sponsored. And like, yeah. you know, you go to school and like you got your friends that are like ripping and they have like show up like Team Hobie gear and you're like, whoa, dude, how's that happen? Like, yeah. What do you got to do to like get on yeah. like, the team? And, and as a kid, like you're on the outside looking into that, you know, you're just like, wow. That was so jealous goal. and so like FOMO, right? You're like, fuck, man, I want that. I want roll. free sweatshirts. I want free t-shirts. I yeah. want a sticker on yeah, my board. Yeah, are showing up in like new gear, new boards. Yeah, it's like, and you've you got know. like, you're in the, you know, like Huntington, the hotbed of talent. And sponsors are, are looking for kids in those zones. But you don't even like, back then you didn't even realize that yet. Yeah. That's kind of all you know. Yeah. You know, it's just like, <laughs> I just know like, yeah. every time I go surfing, like there's, fucking people that rip yeah. all around me and some of them are people that you know look back and but that's such a great away. like like place to grow up because what pushes you harder like you know just I just remember like I just want to do a good turn in front of these guys you know and press or do something you know like you always want to one up your buddies and you always want to kind of like flare up if you're serving by yourself and nobody's around it's like yeah I got to go good, good turns but it's not as not as important as doing. It's not that. as rewarding. Rewarding, yeah. Unless someone that you respect yeah. sees you do right? that, right? But, yeah. But you know how important that is. Like oh, as a yeah. kid, you're like, oh man, I want to like spray him on the shoulder, you know, oh, or whatever. Sure. I mean, I was. A, yeah, I did that today, bro. <laughs> yeah. It never gets old, right? You get a little shower on the way in, <laughs> but it never gets old. You know, to go uh, spray. No, I love it. I mean, still today. You but know, there was like, no competitive like amateur contest scene in San Clemente, right? You always had to go like to Oceanside or like, was there events there? Um, not really. Cause I don't I'm remember really as a kid ever really doing events in San Clemente. I mean, my first, so I was 11 when I first started competing. Yeah. And my first contest was WSA. Yep. It was down in Carlsbad, right in front of the offshore surf shop. Mm. And so I was 11, it was the Menehune division and which was like 12 and under and uh yeah i had my brand new bc i was super fired up and and so um yeah it was cool like i showed up and i was competing against my buddies who you know had a couple years more experience and um yeah i showed up first contest got second place so i beat only one one heat yeah (laughs) well no there was i think there was three you had to serve two and then you get to the final nice yeah so um, so yeah, made it through a couple heats. I remember that, and because remember, um, I ended up beating both the guys that um, were my buddies who had been surfing contests. Yes. You know, I was like, I was like, fuck, 
I did it. Like, yeah. Caught up to these guys and I beat them in this contest. I'm like, okay, this is pretty cool. And um, yeah, so from that point is I got just, I was always super competitive, you know, grew up playing team sports and stuff. So I was like, this is sick, you know, individual sport, super competitive. I'm like, this is what I want to do. Yeah. And what other sports were you playing? So I was playing like baseball and soccer pretty much. Like that was it. And, and was that your, your doing? Like you liked those sports was or was it parents like, hey, you got to do some sports? That's more me. Yeah. Yeah. Like I was a pretty active kid. Yeah. You know, pretty hyper. Now was in the summertime, would your dad like say, hey, you should come live with me during the summer or was that even an issue? No. So that didn't happen. So he stayed in like that valley area, like Westlake, Agora, until I was six. And then he ended up actually bouncing. He left and he was an engineer and he ended up leaving the country to go. He went to Iraq Whoa. and to go um, pursue a career as an oil engineer. So he actually, he was in Iraq for a couple of years and then he went into Saudi Arabia. Dang. For same thing, like the yeah, oil industry. Oil engineer. Like Let's just trained. say you made a lot of money. Dude. So, <laughs> so funny story, which we can get to in a little bit if you're sticking to a timeline, but I actually went over there. Um, to Saudi there. Arabia? I went to Saudi Arabia. Epic. And how, what age? I was 11. Holy shit. Yeah, it's pretty nuts experience. So how long was he in Iraq for? So I think he did Iraq for two years. And they ended up in Saudi Arabia until I was 17. Wow. That's a long so, stand. And you went at 11. I was 11. Any, any, yeah. You have any siblings? No siblings. Just you. Only only I mean, I had, he had two daughters. Okay. Um, but not with my mom. Like after so you? they were like, like yeah, younger older. sisters. Yeah. I mean, I met them once, um, but they were, they were in Canada. Mm. And so, hmm. um, yeah, that's where my parents met in Canada. So my dad was French, so I was living in like Eastern Canada, like French Canadian, and then my mom was just there visiting. Wow. So, yeah. American visiting in Canada? Yeah. And met a Frenchman? That's it. Yeah. <laughs> and then here Mom's we are. Irish. Yeah. <laughs> so, so pretty did you travel to Saudi Arabia by yourself or? So he would usually come out and visit me, like, you know, maybe for like a couple weeks every year. Um, you know, back then, like, there's no cell phones. No. Communication was letters. Was pretty far and few. Be quick. Yeah, I mean, he letters was, and phones. He would pretty much like, you know, he'd check in with me, like maybe you get a birthday card, a Christmas present, birthday card or whatever. And um, yeah, I mean, he had he had a good setup. You know, he was lived rent free, had no expenses. He lived like in this kind of compound where they put like all the employees. The Americans, that, yeah, and, like it wasn't just Americans, but it was like. You know, for international workers, in, international workers, and he lived in this yeah. big, like, fucking compound. It was like a small city, and it was all like borders, so you were protected, and it was like security getting in and out of there. Yeah, and it was pretty killer, like, you know, residential, like nice homes, like for sure. He was in like a condo um, because it was just him, but um, yeah. It was Did you meet sad. other other families that had kids there and they lived there? And yeah, so when I was there, it was during the school year. I think that was like sixth grade, fifth grade, sixth grade or something like that. So I'm over there during the school year and he had a neighbor who had a family 
And so it was like his working buddy. Yeah. And so <clears throat> the neighbor, they had kids a little older than me, but the wife would become like my tutor Damn. while I was there. So I'd go over there every day and like she would make sure I'd spend a couple hours getting my schoolwork done. And then their kids went to school. So like they'd come home from school and then I'd hang out with them. What was, what, what time of year and what was the weather like? Like, cause I, I mean, you know, you think of desert, right? Yeah. Like just yeah. dusty, dirty, <laughs> sandy. It's pretty dusty, pretty yeah. dirty. How long uh, were you there for? I was there for a month. Wow. Yeah. It's pretty nuts. Like I remember what a good a bit, experience. Actually, but it's pretty wild. You know I mean? It was cool. So on the way there, we went to France for a week. So when my dad, we stopped in France and he took me through like Paris and, um, you know, just like showed me where he grew up and, you know, kind of got to do that a little bit. It was during the winter. So it was like kind of cold and rainy. And, um, I just remember that like kind of touring through like Paris, France, you know, I was 11 years old and, you know, obviously he didn't appreciate it. Yeah. But, um, it's like, cool get me back to the ocean, dad. <laughs> yeah. Like I was just, you know, it's 11, dude. I was like frothing. Yeah. You know, learned how to surf and. I was kind of bummed, you know, looking yeah. back now, like, I wish I would have just appreciated that time, but. Yeah. Yeah. So, a month goes quick, but not when you're 11. Not where, you, you know, when I, uh, yeah, not when you're not, 11 and not where, during school when you're year, somewhere. Left my friends. Yeah. You know? When you're not where you want to be. Yeah. Like a day is yeah. 10 days. <laughs> right. So you think like Saudi Arabia, you think, you know, like super hot, but it, <clears throat> it wasn't that hot. So I was there during the school year and winter time and. Um, I was surrounded by desert, you know, and it was pretty, it was a trip. So I was, I was there for a month. And, what did they uh, do for fun, the kids? I mean, there Soccer, was like... basketball, like... Yeah, I mean, there was like sports. Kids went to school, they played sports. And I remember I had like a little BMX bike, and there was like a little BMX track. So I would do my schoolwork, and then I'd grab like this bike, and I'd just go like ride around, like fucking hit jumps, and just, yeah. you know, ride around. Like I'd ride around. You made around. the most of it. I ride around the whole community, and then sometimes, um, you know, I would venture out, and I would leave, and go like there was a beach nearby, so I would like sometimes go down the beach, Dang. like so, ocean. Yeah, the ocean. Huh. <clears throat> so where I was based, so you fly. Is that the in, Red Sea, or? So I was on the Red Seas on the western side. I was on the eastern side in this place called like. Um, Start with a D. Like Dubai? No, not Dubai. Um, Dahran or something like that. Okay. So if you look it up on a map, like you fly into Riyadh, which is central Saudi Arabia, and then we drive out to Dahran, and it's right on the right on the water. You're on the Persian Gulf. Now, was there waves or no? I don't remember waves. Um, you know, I remember it getting like super windy, and you kind of have like. Chop. Like, like oh. wind chop, like Florida style surf, you know? If it gets super windy, like next day you'd have like a little wind chop. So I remember I did boogie board once, but the water was fucking freezing. Freezing? Like super cold, and there's nobody else around. I was just spooked out. It was just me. Yeah. You know, my dad would kind of just wash from the beach, and oh, I was wild. like, fuck, I don't know if there's sharks out here. <laughs> like, yeah. So, yeah. The Persian Gulf. Yeah. What a crazy. So, yeah, and and yeah, I mean, 11, you're just probably, yeah, tripping. I was just trying to find stuff to do, you know? Yeah. At that point. <clears throat> so back to California. So back to California. 
Yep. Second in the WSA, beat your bros. Beat my bros, and then I just was like hooked. I'm like, all right, I'm doing this. I'm gonna start surfing contests. And did BC say like, dude, you're freaking? So on. that was it, dude. It just took one contest, <laughs> and literally, so that contest, I remember, I'm walking up the beach, and I don't know if you guys remember Offshore, remember yeah. that brand? So it was Offshore Surf Shop, and the guy that beat me in that contest was Shane Stoneman. You guys probably remember Shane Stoneman. Yeah, for sure. Fucking ripped. I mean, ripped. that guy, I mean, I I could never get past him. You know, so I, I spent my entire, like, amateur career basically getting second place to Shane Stoneman every time, all the time. And uh, he was just, like, unbeatable, you know? I mean, so, because he was kind of in the same region, you know? Like, yeah. Like, south region or whatever. Is he from down south, Shane Stoneman? He's yeah. from San Juan. Oh wow! Yeah, but then he moved, moved to like yeah. yeah to Ventura. He's up in the Central Coast. Central yeah. Coast, yeah. So Shane was riding for um, offshore. offshore. Okay. <clears throat> so I'm walking up the beach, you know, getting ready to bail. I got my trophy in hand. I'm fired up. Sight. Psyching. First contest. First contest. And so he's down there with Craig Coman, <laughs> and so they they both kind of walk up and they're like. Hey, good job, you know, like, um, you know, I'm Craig, I, I run the surf team or whatever, do marketing for offshore. And uh, he's like, you know, super stoked, like you did really good. Would you be interested in like, you know, wearing offshore? And I was like, fuck yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm 11 years old, my mom's standing next to me and, and she's just like, oh, this is killer, you know? Yeah. Like, I don't have to go buy you know this little shit clothes anymore yeah and so she was psyched and i'm like yeah let's do it and so i went up there like that week up to the office probably you know somewhere around here somewhere up here yeah Irvine. and i just walked out with a huge box of clothes bunch of stickers and from that point i was just like i'm hooked dude did yeah. how lucky did you get super lucky no because it's your first contest yeah. you haven't like accumulated a resume because back then that's what kids had to do you'd have to have a portfolio right and put pictures in it contest results all that stuff and then present it to the guy you know and hopefully they're like yeah you can you can get on yeah lucky right place that's so awesome and you know they're probably just back then like you said you know two heats and you're in the final yeah not a lot of competition back then but yeah but Craig Coleman He's kind of a gnarly dude, right? For sure. So yeah, he, you he must have surfed really well to to get his attention. You know what I mean? Because he's he's probably a he he's a critic of surfing, and he's pretty upfront and, and yeah, he's just not blunt. like a, a shop manager or somebody yeah. that's like he's like the real deal. He would like, tell you, yeah. yeah, like for them to come to you and say. Because I don't know Craig Coleman myself, but from what I've heard from other people, yeah, is he's kind of a he's kind of a dick, right? I kind of remember, like I don't remember that because I didn't. So that that was kind of a short thing, you know, with yeah. offshore. Um, but I mean, like I said, like I, what I'm trying to say is, you must have surfed really well for him to go, you know, you're on board, you're you're on the team. I mean, I was just stoked. Yeah, <laughs> Hell yeah! And like I've been watching my buddies. So did you get like a bunch of stickers? A bunch, a bunch of stickers. Of board lambs. Um, I think I think so. Yeah, <laughs> like laminates back then. Yeah, I yeah. Those. 
to laminates, stickers. Boxes, Those are clothes. huge, right? The huge. offshore. Yeah. They were huge. I wish I had. Here's the ones we sell. Here's the team ones. <laughs> it was gnarly. I mean, it took up like three quarters of the board. What, sure. Did, did they make clothes that small? Because I remember as a kid, that was, you know, the smallest, you know, brands made was like 28 men small. And I was like, I just remember not having my mom like, mom, you got to bring these in like an inch or two so I could wear it, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I remember it. Like, yeah, I walked out with a ton of stuff and it all fit. So... Yeah, that was cool. That and, was then, and then what was like the competitive theme from there on out? I'm doing all the WSAs all season. So from there, yeah, I was just got into the WSAs and then like I went back and I talked to Brian. He's like, all right, fuck, good job. Like, let's get you on the board. So he got me on a board program like pretty quick. And so I had like like two boards. He would give me two boards. That, that was kind of my, my starter kit. And then so... I remember... Did you have to pay for them or were they flow? No, it's two boards, but I had to trade them in. Okay. Yeah. So you get two, like here's your two. Now, what, what were you riding? Like what kind of design? Squash, I mean, swallow? I had one squash and one rounded pin. Nice. And Same size? Yeah, like 410 or something like that. <laughs> you know, like I was just... I just remember getting my first custom board. I was just still because I could fit it under my arm. Yeah. You know, it was light and like... Now, take, did, take did, a stack of the order forms and then because you didn't have like they had the outline and you know you do your own color drawings for the air spray and stuff yeah airbrush back then too you know everybody had, i used like, to take uh, stacks i'd just go into the shapers you know and i'd steal like a stack and i'd take them home and i'd do all these different designs on them I'm, like, I'm gonna get that, that one next did you um <clears throat> did he kind of like give you a tutorial on design or anything like like hey Sean shaping or just airbrush just like board design and, and like uh, what what squash tails do what a round pin does or swall you know what I mean like the different uh, styles of surfboards for your surfing you know for not your really. particular you style know, I wasn't probably didn't have the attention span yeah to even like you know <laughs> I'm gonna make you these it. boards bro I just here's my weight here's my height just go from there yeah you know and he was shaping boards for a lot of like the groms too yeah around that time so um so Brian I had him shaping boards and then you know had this cool like new program with offshore um but I remember it didn't really last long so I think it was by my next contest or that the rest of that season um I started getting hit up by Darren Brillhart. Who For you Rusty. Guys know. No, it wasn't Rusty. He was in Maui Beach and Town. Sons. Oh, Maui and Sons. Oh, yeah. Wait, fuck no. That's right. Beach Town. Actually, you're right, dude. Beach Town. <laughs> it was Beach Town. It was, it was Chris Burke. Okay. So, Big B. You guys know Chris Burke. Yep. Yeah. Remember Chris Burke. So and Chris Brillhart Burke. was working with him? No, Brillhart. That comes next. Okay. So, sorry. <laughs> jumped ahead. Brillhart was at Maui and Sons. So you're right. So it was Beach House, uh, Beach Town. Town. So Beach Town was kind of a quick thing, and like, so I I knew Chris. I like, grew up in Sacramento. Like he was always out of T Street, and he's and, a good surfer. Uh, good surfer, and and I kind of knew him just from you know surfing, and and so he was like, you know, like I remember seeing like Snips was on Beach Town. Yeah. And, like Chris Morrow, Shane Bashin, Chris Morrow, I think. Dang, they had a stack team. Yeah. Yeah, And Beach Town was like so... Pretty legit. It was legit, but like, I don't ever remember seeing it in stores or anything. 
I don't remember. I, don't remember, there. I remember the logo you know I mean? and the ads. Yes. I remember the logos and the ads, yeah. but I don't remember seeing it on people and in stores. I never saw that. Yeah. Except for the guys that rode for me. Yeah, it's probably a little before my time. Maybe Herbie was carrying it. I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. Um, I don't remember that far back. Yeah. But um, and like my buddy Chad was riding for Beast Sound. So Navarro. Navarro. Okay. So Chad and I were were um, weren't like that good of friends yet. You know, this is like I don't know, like fourth grade, I guess. Yeah, it's pretty early. And so Chris is like, "Yeah, let's get you on the program." I'm like, okay, cool. This is like... Did you have to tell offshore or you just... Yeah, I think I, I told Craig or I don't know, maybe Craig was already gone. You know, and I just was like, okay, well, I don't know if I had any uh, contact there anymore. Yeah. Because I don't even think like Stoneman, I think he had moved on, you know, so yeah. I, I don't know Short-lived. what happened to that program. So anyways, I was like, okay, cool, I'm going to do... But Beach Town had like a yeah. roster. Yeah. Like, they had everybody. Cool stuff. It was, you know, a lot of guys from around town. So it's like, okay, cool, like, let's do this. And so um, I just remember, like, Chris would do these, like, workouts, you know, in town. So he started doing the workouts. He was, like, doing these workouts, you know. So we'd come down there as, like, team workouts, and we're, like, on the beach, like, doing laps up and down the beach, and then be like, okay, you got to paddle out. You paddle straight out, and then you got to ride, like, a wave, and you got to meet me down here, like, a mile down the beach <clears throat> and so first one to, to meet me like a mile down the beach by surfing waves that direction yeah so it's like you surf down there and then you paddle straight back out like you couldn't like paddle your way down there like you catch a wave and then you paddle straight back out and then you catch a wave and paddle straight back out so we're kind of doing these workouts and it was just like you know i don't know we were doing that like snips he was kind of running those programs with us and and like shane you know shane was a little for me he was like closer in age and you and know, it was just all the competitive kids. Like yeah, the kids so, that were like, you know, surfing the events. Like this was your coach. Yeah, so they were like, then it was like, Chris was like, okay, we're going to pay for the contest. So I was like, okay, cool. Now I have my entry fees covered. I got, I'm wearing like some cool shit. And it's like kind of more of like San Clemente community. Vibe, yeah. You know, so that was cool. Your so mom's just like, what? Dude, mom's Free clothes? Stoked. What? Mom's contest paid? Yeah, you know, like. Like, Big E would take me to contests because, like you said, you know, like, the contests were, you're usually... Oceanside. Like, either Oceanside or maybe Huntington. Yeah. Maybe occasional creek, maybe occasional churches, maybe, you know? Yeah. Yeah, those those probably came a little bit later. But, um, yeah, so that was kind of the deal. Was doing the WSAs through Manahoonies, you know, so I was 12 and under. And... um, yeah, I think I finished finished that year in like the top five or six. Look at uh, this guy. Menahunis. So I was like, yeah, I was just now I was like fired up. So then <clears throat> we get into like middle school and then we start What school are you going to? So I went to like elementary, I went to Concordia. And then I went to I didn't go to Shortcliffe for middle school. I is that where everybody went? That's where everybody went. So I went to uh, a Christian school for middle school because that's where some of my friends went, like Benji and just a couple of my buddies. Um, their parents didn't want us to go to Shortcliffs because back then, like Shortcliffs had like a reputation for like a lot of drugs, 
uh, a lot of like fights, like gang violence, like mm-hmm. you know back then. You know, San Clemente was seedy back kind then, of rough, dude. Yeah, yeah, like a lot more seedy <clears throat> back then than it was now. Than it uh, is there now. was pockets, dude. Like there's places in town you just wouldn't want to go. I think a lot of the coast was like that, you know, yeah. like it just wasn't as well. It's like a military, a military uh, border city, yeah. right? Yeah. Like a little bit. Oceanside, I mean, San Clemente back then, you know, if you think about it, was it's kind of more like a retirement community. Yeah. So a lot of like elderly, like older people, and then you have like the military. Right, so you got Camp Pendleton right there. So you have a and lot then of the, military. The beachfront second homes, which <clears throat> probably weren't that many. Yeah, and it was like you know you kind of had like down by the pier, kind of like Hispanic area, and then we had like kind of a, like a little like skinhead fucking. Culture. There was a skinhead. Yeah. Yeah. Like it was, it was kind of gnarly. So you yeah. kind of had, you know, like like the beaches were kind of, you know, broken apart like that. You know, like the pier had kind of that vibe, you know, like a lot of skinheads, kind of gnarly, um, fucking lots of drugs down there, you know, down there in the summer. I remember like watching people have sex under the pier for the first time. Like that's where I saw people have sex for the first time was on yeah. the pier, you know, like wild people, you know, smoke weed. I gotta go to the pier more often. Well, dude, it's changed a lot. Like that yeah. was 80s, you know, yeah. today yeah. it's like way cleaner. And, but, um, you know, and then you had like State Park was kind of like, you know that zone too so kind of as i got a little bit older kind of stayed away from those zones because i just didn't want to deal with it yeah and you know like me like i was like kind of long hair blonde long blonde hair and uh you know those guys were like who's this fucking guy you know? yeah like, so i was like whatever i just went surf ribbies that was my spot t street a lot and then uh i had friends that lived in cypress shore so i'd go down and surf cottons a lot yeah so that's kind of my, my zone. Right if there. I won the lottery, that's where I'd want to live. Cypress Shores. I think me too. Yeah. It's pretty dreamy. It's pretty for, insane. For a surfer, definitely yeah. I, I, one of the hot spots along yeah. the coast. You know, yeah. they have waves right there within, you know, a short bike ride, left, right. And the, yeah. the architecture and the homes in that area. Well, shit, you win the lottery, you can, you can build your own dream house. Yeah, but I like those that style. Yeah, that neighborhood. That neighborhood. <laughs> it's pretty cool. So if you're, yeah. you know, hanging with with Chad and you know Stone and these guys, they're they're like already on NSSA and like, you know, yeah. starting to right. Yeah, like what, like, you know, what was the like vibe? You know, your sponsor getting contests paid for? Or is it like now I'm entering everything? Yeah, so I kind of stuck to WSA because um, I feel like that was kind of where. Um, so like Beachtown, and then I ended up with Maui Sons. So like Derek, 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 Yeah, I know, dude. I was like changing it out. Like, well, Beachtown, I think, kind of just dissolved. Dissolved, yeah. You know, I think Offshore did too. Yeah. And so, so um, yeah, I know it was another thing. It was like at one of the contests, and you know, Brillhart was there. And he's like, he's like, hey, let's get you on the program. And so, I think for me, like everybody I was working with was always about like WSA and I think it was more because it was contest fees were a little bit more accessible for sure and the events like I remember NSSA was more like San Diego it felt like like more down San Diego and Huntington where WSA was a little bit more local and just more accessible for me yeah so I went WSA route 
And um, yeah, I think it was 13, 14 or whatever. I had probably my best run. Ended up, um, was 14, ended up second that year in the region, ratings. In the ratings. <clears throat> and uh, who was number one? Do you remember? So, number one, like I think at that point, I think Stoneman ended up going NSSA. So, I was always say, I think it was like Pete Rocky. Mm. You guys remember Pete Rocky? Yeah. yeah. And like Corey Pierce. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, They're like, up, well, are they both up north guys? Yeah, yeah so Malibu. This is like, yeah. You know, this is like going all the way up to like San Oxnard. Yeah. Yeah, because it's the whole region. So, I ended up finishing second. Damn. And so, made the WSA, WSA All Star team that year. And then got invited to nationals, so I'm like, kind of you know, getting up there, starting to kind of make a little run in the amateur ranks here, and and um, so yeah, that's killer. Like went to nationals that year, 14, um, member WSA All Star team, and that year was at Sandy Beach, Hawaii. Yeah, Sandy Beach, Hawaii. Um, so Jay, you're probably like in the mix there, like. Yeah, I don't remember going to Sandy Beach for a contest, but yeah. So that was like, that was like everyone. That was national. So you had like all the best NSSAs, like ESA, WSA. And I just remember showing up at that thing. I was like, holy shit, this is gnarly. This is like all the guys you were seeing, like Groms and magazines. Yeah. Like performers, and never performers. In the yeah, we talk about that a lot, as because you know they would post the professional and amateur rankings in the back, and you would, you know, you have your region, but you, you know you would check who's who's killing on the East Coast, who's killing in California and Hawaii, yeah. and you you recognize those names, and eventually you'd meet up with them. And uh, D Law made the comment, it was like, I would compete so I can get my name in the magazine. Damn right. In those performers. Yeah. Things. So yeah. Diva, you know, I, I need to listen to his too because. Yeah. He was definitely... He's uh, your era, I think. Yeah. He, so he was a year older in age. So I would only compete against him like when you're coming into that division yeah. when you're on the younger side. And then when I was on the older side of the division, he would move up. So yeah. it was like the same thing with Chad. You know, We were all the same grade, but like him and Chad and like Shane Bashin, we were all um, kind of that same group. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I was like... A little a year or so younger and it was the same thing like how'd you do in that contest sandy beach so i showed up there and it was just fuck it was gnarly dude like my first heat it was like and the waves are hard to surf at sandy beach it was it was you know the waves were actually pretty good for mm-hmm. that event i remember and um yeah it was like jason magalanes ross williams oh I think yeah that, that hawaiian heat, heat? Yeah, first Well, it's, all, it's a national, you know. So yeah, you're, you're, you're better off surfing against a Floridian <laughs> in Hawaii than a Hawaiian in Hawaii. No, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but you're getting the best of the best from each region, and those guys were dominating in so, Hawaii. So it was like, you know, fuck already. Like, Davey Boy Gonzalez. and Davey Boy, Kaipo, Wakias, and like, yeah, and then you have like the Danny Mahatos and like Slater... Um, Todd Morka, Paul Reinecke, yeah, seeing all these guys. You've been kind of seeing those guys, their names, and it was like, whoa. So my heat, I, I choked. I, I got interference, actually, like a paddling interference, because they, they start the heat 
and they st they stop the heat with a horn, and then they start the heat with a horn. So and there's quite like, a little delay. There's a little like thirty second delay, and so I think I missed where they told you like you can't paddle into the zone until you hear the second horn. Well, I'm sitting there with five other guys, and I hear the horn, and I just fucking jet into the lineup. I'm pole positioning these guys. I'm getting the yeah. first wave. Like, Dude, the only way I'm going to make it out of this heat is I got to get on some of the best waves. And so I'm jetting into the lineup and I noticed like nobody else was paddling. So I was like, <laughs> I was like, dude, I don't know. You guys are blowing it. <laughs> yeah, you guys are blowing it. So anyways, like I, it was, you know, I probably caught one wave before the rest of the lineup came in and had a pretty good heat, but then I came in and found out I got interference. So, yeah, one and From down. First to last. But that was my first trip to Hawaii, so it's kind of cool. Like, who chaperone, or did your mom take you, or did you go with a crew? So I went with um, a crew. Um, I went with like the WSA, like all-star kind of yeah. crew. And there was another guy. So at that point, I was riding for Mountain Sands, and then I was riding for Stewart. So again, I moved to BC South End to Dude, town. You went from dude, I was all over the to yeah. BC now to Stewart. You're kind of you're so, ruining your name dude, all over town. I was town. like, you know, change is good. Like, you know, try to get a little more every time you move around. But yeah, so I was riding Stewart surfboards now because again, I moved to South End of town, and um, so I went over there with a buddy. My my parents didn't go, so it was like kind of a chaperone deal with a buddy of mine who was also riding for Stewart. Um, this guy, Eric Adolph. Uh, I don't know if that name rings a bell, but... Duh. So Eric, like, he's actually kind of a big part of the San Clemente Board Riders. Mm. He's, like, the team captain for the Legends nice. division. And so Eric, for me, like, he was a couple years older, and he was one of those guys that <clears throat> kind of takes you under his wing and wasn't a dick, you know? <laughs> was, like, actually kind of a cool, like, older kind of role model, and... Um, you know, before I was able to drive, he was kind of one of those guys that would take me surfing, like take me down to like Cottons and like introduce me to like surfing more variety around town. Mm -hmm. But um, so yeah, ended up going over there with him, and I think he was like, I don't know, 17. If I'm 14, he was probably, actually, he was probably 18. Wow. So yeah, and you know, they put you up. It's kind of a package deal, you know. You're in a hotel, and I remember I was rooming with a couple of flirting dudes. So kind of met those guys. We're all like just right there, like Waikiki's, like surfing El Moana every day, and like Kaisers, and out there. That was your first time in, so first in Hawaii, time, kind of. You know, was it there. your first surf trip, kind of? Um, yeah, actually, it probably was first surf trip. Yeah. You know? Outside of like just going up and down the coast of California. Yeah. Did you ever make it down to Mexico? So I Baja? Made, yeah, a little bit later. Yeah, so a couple, couple Baja trips like later on, um, actually with like Rick Yeomans. So Nate's dad or? Yeah, so Nate's dad was Rick Yeomans. He's a pastor. And so again, so I'm in middle school going to Christian school at that point with some of my friends. And, and um, so yeah, like Rick Yeomans had like you know, like all our, all my friends and stuff would go to like his church. Yeah. So like Chad, just like all the the whole crew. You know, we always go to his church and. So you're the good crew, dudes. You know. Was with a good crew. You yeah. know, 
um, like Chad, like Enoch, like all these guys, you know? And um, so Rick kind of organized a surf trip down to Baja. He organized a couple. You know, we did one to um, my first PSAA event was to Florida. Sebastian Inlet was with Rick and like Mike Lambrizi, Peter King's like a full crew. Wow. Um, yeah, that was a Florida trip. And then this Mexico trip, like he organized, we went down there and he organized like some like surf contest. Um, we were down in Mazatlan. Oh, wow. Way down. Like, yeah. Not Baja, but like. Ma- yeah, well, we did. Like he, he would take us down like K38. But he knew there was a, an event down there or just. Yeah, so I, don't know, like, I don't remember. It was, you know, obviously a long time ago, but it took like myself and like, I think it was like Casey Curtis, Casey's brothers, um, like Dustin Curtis. And um, yeah, there's like a crew. Like Nate was too young at that point. Like, I don't even remember Nate surfing yet. <clears throat> but um, like Benji, Severson, like, yeah, just a little crew. He took us down there and we did this little contest in Mazatlan and um, it was fun. It was like in front of this like disco place, like Valentino's <laughs> Disco, like that's what they would refer to the surf spot. It was like this left that broke off this little rock. Disco's. Yeah, Valentino's Disco. I know. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know if you ever been down there, but um, yeah, so we did a little contest down there and um, Kind of cruise around, like surf different waves down there. I don't know. Have you guys ever been down there? I haven't surfed I've Mazatlan. Never, I've never no, I've been to Puerto Vallarta and a bunch of other mainland. Dude, there's some good waves. There's like Stoner's Island. We took a boat out to like Stoner's Island. It's like this little like right point break. Yeah. Super fun. And there's a place called Cannons. That's kind of like a low left point. Breaks off this like break wall. Mm-hmm. It was super fun. But yeah, I went down to Mexico a couple times and. Uh, Florida, like Hawaii for contest, Florida so, for contest. You just, did you even do WS or NSSAs or you st- stuck with WSAs and you talked about going to uh, Sebastian for a, a, a PSAA? So, yeah, so this was, now I think we're in high school and still with Maui Sun, Stewart, and Rick organized like Mike Lambrisi had a surf movie out. Um, I can't remember what it was called. It's a Christian one, right? Uh, it was like Sunriders. Yeah, yeah, Sunriders. Was it Sunriders? So, yeah, he's like, he's like, yeah. Gonna go do a tour. And Peter King, you know, Peter King yeah. and yeah. Michael Ambrizzi, they're kind of part of this group with, you know, Rick Yeomans, um, Nate Yeomans' dad. And so they're like, hey, we're gonna go do this little Florida tour and like tour the movie. And they're like, yeah, we're, we're gonna organize this group and just send a, p- a bunch of people out there. And so Mike's like, well, yeah, you know, there's a PSAA contest, like, let's do it around that. <clears throat> so ended up going with them. There was probably like a dozen of us. Um, like Jim Hogan was on that trip. Um, my buddy, I told you about Eric Adolph, he was on that trip. Benji Severson. There's actually a photo that I saw circulating through Facebook that had a picture of that. How cool. That trip. And, um, so yeah, we, and you're a sophomore, junior, and probably like either eighth grade or maybe a freshman. Oh wow, very young. Actually, yeah, probably freshman, freshman in high school. And uh, yeah, it's PSAA contest at Sebastian Inlet, and so we all entered it just kind of for fun. But I was like, yeah, I want to do this, and um, 
you know, at that point I was like competing a lot and was kind of like, all right, you know, fuck, let's give it a go, you know, try to four man see heats, if, see if I could be a pro, you know, yeah. yeah, that was, you know, I think aspirationally, like that was the goal. And so in yeah. ninth grade though, you're still pretty young. It's pretty young. What's that? Like 14, yeah. 14 years old, 14 years old. Yeah. So we're over there and we're like going city to city, like showing this movie and, um, it's pretty cool, like hanging out with like Peter King back then. Yeah. Like Mike Lambrizi and Jim. And Lambrizi is dude, he was already a le- he's probably three yeah. time PS two or three times. Like yeah, yeah. He was the man. He was winning like most of the events. So it was cool hanging out with him and and uh, yeah, so the end of that tour was the PSAA contest. And so it's cool. Ended up like making it through a couple heats. Sick. You know? I was like, fuck, this is sick. Like I remember my first heat was like Charlie Kuhn who ended up winning that event. Wow. And like Todd Klein. And, Todd uh, Klein. He was a Grom. Kleine, yeah, he was probably around your age too. Yeah, we were same age. And uh, like Paul Reinke and those guys, you know, they were all in it. So I made it through, I think, two heats. And I was advancing with Charlie, um, who was like the local. Yeah, for sure. You know, yeah, him. Hierarchy, like that. Yeah. Kind of run the point yeah. out there, so. How were the waves? <clears throat> the waves were super fun. Super rippable wave. Dude, I don't know if you guys ever surfed it back in, in yeah. that time, you know? Like, what was that, like late 80s-ish, 80s? And um, God, that wave was super fun, just super windy. It didn't even need to be, like you take off on a little like, you know, thigh high, and then, you know, one turn in, now it's like shoulder high. Well, it depends on the swell, but you know, we would just have this like, yeah. so it had a lot of energy. In, like, hit that jetty, and then just bounce off it, and just like this super wedge. It was yeah. like a slingshot. You drop in, it's just like. But even like, goofy too, right? Yeah. I'm goofy, but yeah. yeah. So it's backside for me. Yeah. But yeah. So I don't know. That was my kind of my first experience in a professional a pro contest. Yeah. And so I was just stuck. Like you know, hey, I made it through a couple of heats, and so you know, hey, maybe there's hope. Yeah. <laughs> you know. But you're so, only 14 years old. Yeah, I was young, and um, yeah, so I just got super into. You know, surfing contests and... Now, were you trying to get photos and mags too, or...? I mean, I was kind of more like the contest guy, you know, I was always super competitive. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, if I didn't have like that super competitive gene, I probably wouldn't have gone anywhere. You know, I think like, for me, I always kind of knew in the back of my mind, like, my skill set was really not what was going to take me where I wanted to go, you know? <laughs> That's good to know. <laughs> yeah, so I, you know, I was like, you know, pretty like opportunistic, but I was also very real, like, yeah. you know, growing up in San Clemente, you know, fuck. Well, there's guys you're compa- competing guys against like, and, and serving with all the time, and you're like, yeah, you, different levels. I knew, you know, kind of what that caliber, where yeah. you needed to be, um, and what, it, you, you know, how, how good you need to be and yeah. how far that could take you. But, um, you know, I was kind of like that guy. Like, I I made finals a lot on pretty much every contest, but I was never the guy winning those contests. And I remember at one of these, like, WSA All-Star banquets, we had, like, PT and Ian Cairns. I remember it to this day. Those guys were speakers. And we're all there as a group, and those guys were very, like, straightforward, like, hey, if you're not winning events, you're probably not going to make it as a professional surfer. Wow. 
I was like, that stuck with me. And so I always remember like, fuck, if I'm not gonna win this event, I might not be a pro surfer. Yeah. You know, but I was gonna enjoy the ride and take it as far as I could. Yeah. That was always the goal. So how long did you compete in amateur surfing? So I would say from here, you know, high school, um, was there a high school, school surf team then for sure? High school surf and team. You were doing that? Yeah, I was doing you that. Got, you went to San Clemente High School? I went to San Clemente High School. Okay. Um, didn't make the surf team my freshman year because they only took two freshmen. And no, so, no matter what? Yeah, that was it. Wow. Dude, the, that fucking team was so stacked. I mean, imagine like you had the McNulty's, yeah. you know, Beshin. Um, God, dude. And two freshmen is it. Two freshmen was it. So it was Chad made it and this other guy um can't remember his name that's yeah, barely a contest surfer made it and so we had like my grade like there was a pretty solid amount of talent um, depth you know that grade so <clears throat> once we got into sophomore years then it was like we had like probably 10 people in our grade that was on the surf team yeah how, how were you in, in school were you, were you a good student were you studious or did you just kind of Scrape by or like what was I mean, your school? Yeah. Like I got good grades. <clears throat> I wouldn't say I, like I was one of those um, elite students. You know, I, I would show up to me. School was more about um, chicks, show, social status <laughs> for sure. I mean, that was my social setting. You know, I'd go yeah. like, hang yeah. out with my friends yeah. and like that's where you're hanging out with your chicks and you know trying to figure out. It's about where, find out where the parties are. What are we doing this weekend? Friday, yeah. Saturday, you know, like. FOMO, you don't want to miss out on a day and like, you know, like San Clemente, like girls are pretty. High school. You know, it's, you're in high school. and like, That's like the time of your life, you know, like. For sure. So, uh. But I did get good grades, you know, like, you know, I did my homework. But there wasn't like the pressure from mom or, or like no. your, your family, like, hey, you need to get straight A's and you got to go to no college way. and you got to have this. It was kind of like, just. Mom's, what did your mom do for a living? So she was. She worked for like financial corporations, like uh, she worked for like CPAs and kind of doing like the back end work for like CPAs and stuff. Bookkeeping. Bookkeeping and yeah. stuff like that. So she did a lot of that. So, you know, she was always working like eight to five. So for me, like I grew up like, I was just a latchkey kid, you know? I yeah. had a lot of freedom as a kid. Yeah. You know, especially once I got 16 and yeah. I had a car and I was just like, so what was your first job? So my first job was actually at Stewart's. Stewart. Yeah. Sick. Got hired by um, Dean Reynolds. Mm -hmm. Dean, not Dane. <laughs> Dean, Dean Reynolds, and like Rick Petrie. Like work in the shop Rick floor. Rick Petrie worked at Petrie. Dude, Stewart Petrie ran um, the retail operation, and then Dean was more like the kind of surfboard operation. Okay. Yeah, so I would go in there, I was like screen printing t-shirts. That's wow. what you did? That's what I did. So Whoa. Yeah. No experience they brought you in, we're like, hey, we're gonna show you the ropes. Of yeah, that I was cabin. riding for him at that time. Were you yeah. hanging out, like, was that your like hangout? It was like a summer job, you know? That was no, it. but like a surf shop, like, you know, was that, you know, your yeah, sponsor, did, were you like- Did you guys yeah, hang so at the shop? Boards. Like to go, Watch whatever videos are playing in the store. Or just go. I mean, you know, I was check out the gear. Worked the retail floor a little bit. That was you know, was like high school, but it was mostly during the summer. Yeah. So like school, when it was during the school year, I was just doing school, and then weekends I was 
giving contests. Yeah, a cush setup you had over here, man. But like when when Jay was young, he would hang out at Robert August or Chuck Dent or um, where would you guys hang out? All kinds of different shops, right? Yeah, but I would and watch I, surf videos and like. Yeah, but know. but I would like clean wax off used boards. I would polish the boards because people would come in and touch them all and they get dirty and I would pledge and polish because they're all gloss coats back then. I'd vacuum, I'd do all kinds, whatever, trash. Yeah. Do I, and they'd buy me, you know, George Lambert who was ran the shop would buy me lunch, you know? He'd be like, hey, you do this, do that. You know, he's sitting behind the counter flirting with chicks and doing all that. And then I'm yeah. like the guy, you know, Grunt work. Grunt work, because I'm a grunt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, hey, you do all this, and I'll, I'll buy you lunch. And you open the cash register, and you go, okay, did, did we'll you guys, you know, go hook us hang up. Hang out at the surf shop? Like, was that yeah. your hangout? So, ships. So I lived, Shit. I lived, you know, by that kind of south end of town. So, Rip Curl, which is still there today. So, Rip Curl. It's wild they've been there. around that long, huh? Yeah. Dude, they've been there forever. Yeah, I mean, um, go there get your rip curl wetsuits and your freaking channel island surfboards and that was kind of the place so they were always running surf videos so i'd go there and like watch surf videos and and do that and like stewards too but you know once i got a car and was driving um then i was told like all right you, get, you need to get a job you know like you're cut off <clears throat> so get a job get some responsibilities at least for the summer so that was one thing like my mom was always cool and my dad was always really good about making sure, like, <clears throat> financially we were good. Was always able to, like, you know, have the shit that I wanted, get things that I needed or whatever. So even though, you know, single mom, raising a kid um, in Southern California, even back then, you know. Oh, for sure. Always kind of made sure, like, so financially, expensive. like, we were good. So that yeah. was cool. Even though it wasn't there so much, like, physically, mentally, at least he made sure like my mom could Didn't struggle with yeah. me. Yeah, so we were we were always pretty good there, but so silk screen in, <clears> in <throat> so the I'm summers. Like, you know, silk screen in t shirts. Which is kinda like not a, a job you give a grom, like just starting out. Like yeah. that seems like it's it takes a little bit more of a learning skill, thrown, learning like, curve. That's what I was doing right away. And then when we were, you know, kinda caught up there or whatever there was no more T shirts, then they throw me on the floor and, you know, like sell wax or whatever surfboards and yeah. kind of work the retail floor a little bit so yeah. isn't like for me I, I feel like retail is and i hate to say the word retail but that job of like interacting with people is so good for a, a young mind you know to, to develop that social skill of, of like interacting with strangers and I mean yeah you got the sure. I mean 100% the social aspect of it but also like learning the mechanics of cash registers and, and receipts and like money and like what things cost and like yeah. you know, there's a lot of other subtleties to that but the main thing is you know hey you know, make sure nobody's stealing and ring up people when they want to buy something but you know what I mean there's a lot yeah. of other no working retailers is a great yeah. introduction to the real world yeah, at that point, you know, never really knew at that point, like, there was going to be a career for me yeah. in the surf industry. You know, I was just doing this to get a paycheck, make sure I can put gas in my I car. I surf? And, I know what wax to fucking put on your board today, bro. You, yeah, you, you want the cool water, dude, and you want the base coat, and, you you know, you have... 
<laughs> Petrie was my boss, and like Ups, he was. Upselling. See, that is so funny, dude. <laughs> yeah, he was a grom too, you know, like back then. So yeah. So you know, I got that. Um, you know, doing surf team high school. You know, I think we knocked out like two state championships while I was there. Ooh. So beat Huntington. I think we beat yeah, we beat Huntington. So I was there for two. My senior year, which was '91, we were state champs. And then 89. We got to go back to the tapes on that. I think no, I'm just you guys, kidding. I think you guys no. were 90. I think yeah. you guys knocked us out in 90. Which, 90 Why, did, Where were you there? Um, I was a freshman in 90. Freshman. Yeah. Okay. Through 90. Dude, it's always Not on your watch. It's huh? always San Clemente or Hudson. You know, Not on your watch, chance. right, Lar? Yeah. <laughs> I think um, I remember San Diego. <laughs> yeah. Had a good little run there for a minute. Yeah. San Diego? Rob. Yeah, it's Machado. So, did but, they win? I don't think they won. No, I think they just were really like competitive. Yeah, competitive. Yeah. yeah. They'd, they'd meet either San Clemente or HB in the semis and get bounced. Has anybody else won besides yeah, HB or San Clemente? Who else, who else in Southern California is going to take Huntington or San Clemente? Nobody. Nobody. Yeah. yeah. I don't who, who else in the state of California is going to take San Clemente? Maybe Santa Cruz. You know, but those three communities, yeah. like you yeah. can't. But they, you know, in the high school level, it was regional. You you were never gonna compete against go that far north. Yeah, but we definitely we we served against. HB. You know, um, HB was gnarly, dude. Fucking yeah. Yeah. Daw brothers, yeah. both Jeff and Barry. Barry. Barry um, rips. rips. Yeah. yeah, we had fucking uh, CC, CC, yeah. Tim Brandon, the. Uh, Dude, um, bring it back. Like, yeah. Mark, know, Mark and Paul Austin. Paul was a little Austin, older, but Mark. So Austin's I mean, actually one of my good buddies. Like, okay, just... just he lives down in St. Clemente, Yeah, right? he's yeah. St. Clemente transplant. And, yeah. In our little era... We like, let him in. <laughs> Mark Austin, Barry, and Real Jeff. Tarif. Yeah. Who? Real Tarif is his yeah. Instagram handle. Who? Yeah. Yeah, Mark I remember. Austin. Uh, Austin's a little older. He was like... I think he's like a year or two older than me. Yeah. But I remember seeing but, those guys. Those but within, you know, that little, like, high school era, like, the, that little window, Mark Austin. Yep. Men's national NSSA champ. Yeah. D-Ball. Barry. Barry was a national <clears throat> champ. Jeff, was he really? Yeah. Jeff. <sighs> like, I was never a national champ. but uh, Of course not. We know that. But uh, there was a... Uh, <laughs> but there was uh. a lot of other guys that were... I mean, really good surfers that never went on to be professional, but we had like just kind of like hotbed, yeah, blue collar kind of workforce Hot like sure. group where you know you had guys, Bobby you know, the Lockhart, Bobby yeah. the Lockhart, yeah. I mean <laughs> the Keenans. I mean there was, yeah. I mean the Tices. I mean there, yeah. there was a oh, lot yeah. of guys. Kirk that, Tice, Lloyd Tice, yeah, yeah. Shane Star, see, yeah. uh, Shane Star. I mean. <laughs> But um, Lloyd Tice changed his name to yeah. Shane Star. But we had no way. Yeah, he did. Okay, I didn't know that. Um, yeah, but yeah, but, I remember the name. Yeah, but we had Nia Post, who pretty much dominated women's like yeah. she, you I know, which her. which was a big part of you know your team winning. You know, yeah. you had a longboard yeah. back then and a boogie, boogie boarder and a, yeah. and a girl and Nia Craig crushed. Oh yeah, yeah. Craig Etchigoyen, come on, talk yeah, about. Cra- that kid ripped. He was younger than us. Yeah, yeah he was a year or so was, younger than me. Yeah, and so, uh, definitely in the mix. So you're in high school. Mm-hmm. You're yep. surfing contests. Yeah. Are you going to turn pro? Are you aspiring to be a so, pro? So what, what was the... 
So that was the goal. That was definitely the goal. You Still know, Maui and Sons the whole What's year? That? Maui and Sons the whole... No, so that so again, <laughs> pretty much changes like every year. <laughs> so I think freshman, freshman, sophomore, Maui and Sons, you know, a good little run there. But then I think it was like freshman, or no, sophomore, junior, then I moved over to Gotcha. Ooh. Yeah, big, big move. Big, big time. Move. Yeah, so. Kirkshank. Kirkshank linked up with him somehow. I don't remember how it happened, but um, we linked up somewhere at WSA's, and uh, yeah, I think I was like kind of one of like the only like kind of younger San Clemente Groms. You know, he had like Creek and, you know, San Diego, you know, like Dino, Archie were, were gotcha guys. But yeah. But then like the rest of the kind of the younger crew, um, nobody really in San Clemente. So and Gotcha was the shit. Dude, Gotcha was the shit. The shit. Yeah. The shit for sure. Yeah. So Vinny, Vinny was Gotcha, right? But he's uh, like Salt Creek. Yeah. Know. So yeah. he was like Dana Point. Yeah. You know, and like growing up, high school years, like that's who we competed against. It was like San Clemente versus Dana Point, who which had an insane team. You know, Vinny, Pat O'Connell, Casey Curtis. Um, you know. And then you had like Capo Valley, who was like your San Juan kind of Mission Viejo crew, which was like Shane Stoneman, Chris Drummy, Mark, Mark Lindblad. Oh, know? Mark Lindblad, Lindblad, I remember that name. Uh, Brett Birch, they had a good little team too. So it was like those three teams, like we competed against each other. Yeah. Um, we always won, but Dana gives a good push, you know? Like Pat, Casey, Vinny, like those guys are gnarly, and then there were some younger guys too, Beanie Brothers, and but anyways, yeah. So, so linked up with Gotcha, and that was sick, you know. One year was Gotcha, and then out of nowhere, <clears throat> I get this box that shows up, and I'm opening it. I remember it was like the summer, and pulling stuff out and it's got this MCD logo on it. I'm like, what the fuck is this? And I just get this letter from Mike Crickshank and it was just like, hey, Sean, you know, MCD, this is like a new gotcha division yeah. for Gotcha. He's like, oh, I'm moving you over to this division. Since you like Archie so much, we thought we'd pair you up on MCD. I mean, and that's the thing too, like <laughs> my communication with Crickshank was basically letters yeah you know like wow. I didn't, we didn't have a lot of like phone communication you know back then there was no cell phones yeah so it's like if you call me you're pretty much just leaving a message on the on the answering machine you know so How it was interesting. like or i didn't really see him at events too like i don't remember seeing him down at events very often back then and so it's kind of weird like just not a lot of communication yeah. but there'd be a box that would show up in my house every month and so that one was pretty rad. You know, I open it up and it's all this MCD gear and like stickers and more core division. division. It is. And I didn't know so what this was. I was like, fuck, you know, kind so of tripping it yeah. at first because didn't know anything about it. And I was like, you know, gotcha was, was so rad. Yeah. I didn't know what was going on. So <clears throat> there was like a video too that came with it. And it was like this Martin Potter video. Um, like strange thing, strange desire. Oh, Desires. strange desire. Yeah. yeah, that was it. one of the best videos out there. Dude, yeah, it was insane, and I would watch that thing like day and night, endless. 
so I was doing that, you know, so I was on that program for a little bit and it was cool. Uh, I think it was my junior, my junior year, I went to Florida for nationals and like gotcha paid the whole trip. So that was cool. <clears throat> and myself and Chad, Chad was riding for Bill along. I was on gotcha and like Chad, you know, like best friend. And, um, you know, we go to contests together and Sebastian Inlet. Sebastian Inlet. So yeah. we go over there, and so I don't know if you guys remember this, but Danny Milhado. Yeah. You guys remember that name? Definitely. Yeah. So Danny came to San Clemente our junior year, and he was he was a San Clemente guy. So he was living in San Clemente, went to San Clemente High School with us our junior and senior year. So again, I think I kind of remember that. Yeah. Yeah. So he was he was there, you know, ride for Bill Long, and. Um, him and Chad were living with, do you guys know Terry Strump? Yeah. That name ring a bell? Strump, Strump. definitely, yeah. He Terry worked for Strump. Billabong. Worked for Billabong for a long time? Yeah. Um, yeah, he was with us at our net. I mean, shit, we haven't even got to like career stuff yet. Yeah, yeah. How are we on time? We good? <laughs> so anyway. We're an hour and a half in. Okay. Yeah. So... He's living it up. He's like, wow, yeah, this amateur. And this, and I'm, I'm trying to remember it all. Yeah, it's good. Um, just trying to stick to the timeline. But so, so Danny is living in San Clemente. So he hooks us up with Paul Reineke. So it's like Rhino and Todd Morcom and like that crew, Kleine. Like that was like, you know, your. The cool, cool of the. That was like yeah. that kind of ripping, you know, crew back then, like for that age group. And so we all went to Florida that summer for nationals and we stayed at Paul Reineke's house and uh, Danny was there and had a killer time. The waves sucked. I mean, it was literally like lapping on shore. Yeah, I lost we, first heat in that, that <clears throat> event. So you're probably there. I yeah. was there, yeah. Sucked, you know. Uh, all I, the best highlights was trying to free surf, standing in like thigh deep water and then getting yelled at by the fishermen on the pier. Not, not at Sebastian, but practicing at whatever beach. And they lift their lines and they're yelling and then everybody gets out of the water and the sharks are chasing the fish down the coast. And then they pass and then we paddle back out. And I'm like, what the fuck? Wait, <laughs> we just saw a bunch of sharks. They're all fine, they're chasing the fish. I'm are like, they bull sharks too? I don't, yeah. know, I don't know if it's bull sharks, but it was just like... Spinners or something. Yeah, they're just like, hey, you know, like these, they chase the schools, they just go down, they just chase them down the beach and then they're gone. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> yeah, tripping, just sharks. You know, like we're used to like sharks that'll take a limb, you know. Yeah. That and they put you in this hotel just... in the pool, and I don't hope they never designed pool or hotels like this. Inside pool, inside, inside the building, inside the building, uh -huh. and it was like an atrium. And all the rooms and everything faced the pool. Were inside, like the pool was like the focal point, like the courtyard. Yeah. And everybody was like bombing off second, third, fourth floors into the pool. Like it was fucking. You had what? You had a hundred, hundred fifty kids from all over America come into Florida for this contest, and that's where they put you up. It was chaos. Pandemonium. Yeah. And I was like, somebody's gonna die. So you know? that's crazy. Yeah. We didn't stay at that hotel. We ended up seeing it. Because you're you're in the you're in the you're, <laughs> you're in the, the cool you're in the cool group. <laughs> we, got, we got hooked up for sure, and like, I mean, that was crazy. Like Reineke, like his whole like circle of friends, it was like parties every fucking night. Yeah, 
I mean, it was nuts. They're the, they're the good old boys. Parents were gone. Like, I, I was. I yeah, because Morkin was pretty gnarly, right? Morkin. Super gnarly. Morkin was hanging out. Um, Kleine, yeah. he was there every day. Sean Sutton, out. he was another gnarly. Like, He's Florida. Hawaiian, though. Or no, he was Hawaiian, huh? Yeah. But he was always at all those events, too. I remember, like, Robert's. I just remember, like, Mahalo and, and Sutton, and, like, you're, like I'm just thinking of names yeah. that were, like, always on the podium. Yeah, so Mahalo, that was cool. He came to San Clemente, and so, so Terry Strump, um, so I'm jumping around. Anyways, Florida, you know, we go out there, did that event, wave sucked, but, it was, you know, it's cool to, like, kind of hook up with, like, some of that Florida crew, and, and you know, we're all kind of same age, and... Um, you know, Slater, I think he made an appearance at Rhino's house one night, hanging out, partying. I think he actually brought Lisa Anderson. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need to get into that, but anyways. Um, so that was cool. And then, you know, kind of going back to, like, high school and how everything was evolving and surfing. And um, so Terry ended up, he was living in San Clemente. He was married at the time, had this big house in San Clemente. I think he was running Rip Curl when Rip Curl was being run out of Oceanside. Mm. So at that time, Danny moved out. He was living with Terry Strump, and Chad ended up moving in there and was living there too. He had this big house and no kids, just him and his wife at the time. And then, um, so yeah, like Danny was a great addition to like San Clemente Surf Team. And then our senior year, um, Conan Hayes. Conan Hayes? Fucking moves into San Clemente. And he was a junior, so he was a year younger than us. He moved into San Clemente, so too? So he came to San Clemente. He was there for a year, too. Yeah, he was riding for Billabong. And he was living with Terry Strumpf. So, I mean, we're, you know, kind of like myself and like Enoch and Eric. Like, we're always hanging out now over Terry's house. And um, that was kind of like our, our hangout spot. And... Terry would take us all surfing, and so anyways, you know, was kind of just hanging out with that crew, like that was the crew, <clears throat> and um, so going to contests every weekend, Chad, Danny, our surf team, we were just fucking annihilating people, because we had Conan too, so it was just like, that is crazy, I never even remember that. Yeah, so it's cool, like hanging out with those guys, and because I met Conan at <clears throat> 15, I was on a trip with Dan Bialak, one of my friends, Parents were loaded, and he was an only child. And they're like, "Oh, we're going to Hawaii. We're going to college. wherever they went." He got to bring a friend or two. So <laughs> I'm 15, maybe 14, 15, and we're just running amok in Waikiki. And we run into this little kid, and he's living in the summers on his uncle's boat in, in Alamoana Harbor. He's like, "Yeah, I'm from the Big Island, and you know, like I'm just living on my uncle's boat, and that's how I. That was the first time I met him before I, we, you know, met up in contests and stuff. So maybe 14. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. But that's weird. He he went to San Clemente too. Yeah, yeah. I remember he was just kind of bouncing around a lot too. Mm. Like I don't know what is. He's still bouncing around, right? I don't remember yeah. like what his parental situation was like, but yeah. I mean, he was like. Yeah, for Sing, 17. Yeah, single mom, like... Single mom, like, big he's island. living at Terry's house in San Clemente. Yeah. You know, parents, I think, were still in Hawaii. Yeah. Not a lot going on in the Big Island. If yeah. you want to be a pro surfer, you got to kind of, like... Yeah, he Figure was out already, how to... I mean... You got to be a Shane Dorian or a Conan. Dude, he was, <laughs> he was yeah. already, like, that kid in the spotlight, ripping, you know. Like, he obviously 
Um, I think at that time too, like he was already getting paid for Billabong. Wow. I think Billabong was paying his rent at Terry's house. I've ever seen. Yeah. So, <clears throat> so we're doing that, um, you know, just competing. And uh, so we get to senior year and you know, like pressure's on, like now you gotta figure out what you're gonna do. Yeah, like this is it. Like you're either gonna do it or you're not gonna do it. So I was just competing a lot and um, I was hanging out with, you know, contests. I think we moved, kind of moved over now, I was doing like the CSAs. And you know, my friends were all doing CSAs. I think Billabong was sponsoring them back then. So like Chad, we were doing the CSAs now. And so I remember like Mark Reeder mm. would always show up and uh, it was cool. Like, Oh, now you're riding for Billabong. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll get to that. So, you know, Reeder is at every contest. And <clears throat> obviously, you know, I'm hanging out with Mahato, rides for Billabong. Chad, rides for Billabong. Conan, Conan. rides for Billabong. And here I am, fucking gotcha guy. You know, kind of the outsider, but like that's my crew. And so, you know, Reader's always cool. He's like taking us to lunch and like we'd come up and stay at his house. I mean, he's just the raddest human. Yeah. Um, you know, probably the best team manager, you know, to this date. You know, just very welcoming. Here we are, just like Groms, you know, like just showing up at his house and he's married and, you know, has his own life, but always like take us in. We stay at his house and we do contest in Huntington and he'd take us around like you know take us to dinner I think we even I think he even took us to a TSOL concert one time oh for sure uh, <laughs> which was insane too but so yeah you know starting to get to kind of know know Mark a bit and and um, you know we're all at this con- we're all at a contest it's at Southside HB and we all bailed finals day is Sunday right and we all jam to go grab some food. <clears throat> we come back, and my finals on the water. You know, it's like Chad and Danny, they were older, so they're in the older division. I think I was like juniors, and they might have been like junior men's, something like that. I was like, what is that? Like 16 and 17, and it was like 18 and up for those guys. So, anyways, my key's been in the water for five minutes or whatever, and they're like, dude, get. You're late. Water, like change and get out there. So quick change, get in the water. Probably had like, you know, 10 minutes left. And the waves weren't that good. Thankfully, you know, it's just kind of like windblown afternoon Huntington. And caught three waves, like pretty decent waves. And came in and ended up winning it. (laughs) And so Reader's like, he's like, hey, man, good job. Like, you know, sorry you were late. And, um, you know, kind of hung out. We went to dinner later and, and um, you know, him and Chad were super tight. And so, like, that next day, um, Chad's like, dude, Reader was like... Psyched on you. Psyched on you. He's like, he's like saying, you know, if you ever wanted to leave Gotcha, welcome you with open arms. And I'm like... Call him. I'm like, fuck, <laughs> let's do this. You know, because, again, like, I didn't really have a relationship with the Gotcha crew. Yeah, yeah. You know, like communication was done in letters and like I just yeah. a box and and so reader was just like super rad yeah you know? like that's the guy you want to hang out with yeah <clears throat> and that's the guy like you know he's going to take care of you so I, I looked at that like okay 
that's a good move. He's going to look out for my future. So even though I kind of felt like it was a little weird because now I'm like, you know, you got Chad, you got Danny, we're all like this Sanklemany kind of groms and like, how do I really fit in? But I didn't really care. I was like, yeah. let's go. And so then my senior year, riding for Billabong, um, and that was insane. Um, had a good little run, you know, won some contests and felt like, you know, maybe there's, maybe there's a chance, you know, give this thing a crack. And so graduated and then started doing some of the PSAA events. Have you ever done a PSA since Sebastian? So I hadn't. No. So that was it. So that's 14, now you're 17, so 18. I'm like and, 17, 18 years old. And, and you haven't even <clears throat> tried to crack one in the, on, in the West Coast, and there's quite a few at that time. Yeah, so then that was like the next step. And so Reader was all about it. He's just like, yeah, let's get you guys going. And again, you know, I had like Chad was there. And like Danny, so we And to let our listeners know, it wasn't like, you know, the Pro-Am, I mean, Bud Tour, PSA, it was a big deal. Yeah. I mean, it was a really big deal. But from from the expense side of it, you know, like the cost. For the For the entry, the, you know, the paying the membership. Yeah. Versus like NSSA at the time, it wasn't that much more. You know? It didn't cost a lot. Shoots. Shoots. But, you know. Shoots. But for them to allow you to do, you know, enter as an amateur and you were able to, you know, make, it was like a kind of a no brainer if you could pull it off. But it was during the week, like, you know, it would start on a Wednesday and on a Sunday or vice versa, you know, yeah. whatever. You had to be able to like skip school to yeah. compete, which sure. was kind of a big deal breaker for young kids. Yeah. And again, like you said, it's just way more accessible to like. If we weren't homeschooled, then it's like, yeah. 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 I mean, that's a whole nother. You know, sort of stuff. Like, um, yeah, so I started doing some of the PSAAs. Um, you know, I remember a couple, like, there was Malibu. There was, I think there was a Creek one. I remember Boothie won it. Um, there yeah, was, the Surf Bout. That was the big one. Yeah. Boothie won. That was a big one. Vinny. There was Imperial Beach. Yeah. Um, fuck, Pismo. Yeah. Pismo was a good one. There was... How are you doing? Pismo. So there was, was doing like, Seaside, you know, Oceanside, yep. Huntington, Dude, there were Malibu, yep. Pismo. <clears throat> How are you doing? So I tended to do, do okay like in the ones that were more beach break. Um, so Imperial Beach, I remember I made it to... I made it through a couple rounds like before the quarters. So I was like kind of stoked on that. You know, and then Pismo, I think I made it through like maybe two heats, but other than that, never got got further than that. There was like there was a, a pro am event I did in Newport, um, Newport Beach, like 56th or 54th, that I made the quarters, and I can't remember if that was a PSAA. Or it if was, that was um, something else. Newport no, pro am. Yeah. Uh, God. Um, Surfside takes. I think Surfside wasn't part of it. It is now, at least. No, it was. uh, There was another series that was like a pro am series. That was CBA. No, remember that one? I'm drawing a blank. I'll have to think about it. Yeah, I don't know. But anyways, Scott Waring ran. Yeah, I don't remember what he did. And it was there was an event at Blackie's 56. I think a couple in Huntington. It was more of like a 
SoCal. Not, Separate series? Yeah. It wasn't PSAA? No, or? but it was a Pro-Am. Anyways. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, so anyways, I ended up making the quarters there, and that was the first time, like, I ended up winning, like, some prize money. Nice. Um, don't remember how much it was, but, yeah, so I don't know. At that point, you know, I'm, like, a year And your work experience consists of just Dude, shop, shop, retail, and maybe silkscreen a little bit, and... Yeah, so, it was, you know, there wasn't, like, Billabong was, Reader was, like, paying for the contest, and so like that was his commitment maybe a little travel budget but then so now we start getting into like i'm 18 19 and go to college i did take some courses at saddleback um i took a health class and a business class um with chad and danny which is funny you know we all fucking signed up for the same thing and did the same thing <laughs> um you know kind of kind of have that plan b you know just in case but it didn't work out real well because, you know, we were still surfing and we were traveling, doing these contests, which again, Wednesday to Sunday, so you're missing classes and eventually that kind of faded out. But so now we're kind of getting into, um, you know, question mark. Yeah. Like, what am I doing? Like, is, is the this fork actually, in the road? <clears throat> is this actually something that I can, I can continue to do and pursue? And while, you know, the right side of the brain is like, yes, go, you know, you got to fucking, yeah. got to go for it. You know, the other side was like, okay, what's plan B? Yeah. So anyways, <clears throat> we get into, graduate from, from high school in 91, so now we're probably like 92. And now you get this like um, thing like Scott Farnsworth Farney. moves into town, right? Oh. So at the same time. There's this whole thing where, oh, there's this new sunglass brand being started in San Clemente. It's called Arnett. And Farney's Oakley. Yes. Okay. So it's really interesting how these two kind of things happen at the same time. So um, the Billabong thing ended because, as you guys probably remember, Reader bailed, took a plumbing job up in Idaho, moved yep. up there, started a family. Yep. And then... Paul Gomez comes in and runs the team. And, you know, Gomez is smart. I didn't know him at all. Chad knew him actually pretty well. And so he just was like, hey, I need Chad. I don't need Sean. Yeah. And so that was just an easy out. <clears throat> so he gave me, gave me the boot. So there's really no more, like, real sponsorship support. So then you got Farney, HB guy, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Farney's HB guy. Oakley guy. Oakley guy. Yeah. Corporate Oakley guy. Yeah. You know, he was like, I don't know, VP of sports marketing. Yeah. And so it was just weird. Like one day, I start seeing Farney out at T Street. And, um, you know, he's kind of rapping out, knows, knows everybody, you knows like the crew, like Beshin and Chad and everybody and Morrow. And so he shows up and also you start seeing him in the lineup more, <clears throat> which is super weird. And all of a sudden, he, um, he's living in San Clemente. Um, and I just remember like he's out there all the time and basically just throwing Oakley contracts. In the water. At pretty much everybody who can pretty much surf. Yeah. And I just remember, you know, I turn around and like everybody's riding for Oakley. And um, interesting timing, right? Because then at the same time you got 
Arnett, Greg Arnett, is forming this new sunglass brand right in San Clemente. Yeah. And so if you guys know kind of the history there. Arnett uh, comes from Oakley. So Greg Arnett yeah. was like a head designer. And, and Farney has some preview of that. He's locking up everybody he could. Because they got the deep pockets. You think, though, that you got Oakley put Farney in St. Clemente? Yes. Really? I, I watched it happen. I watched it happen firsthand. I mean, Farney shows up out of nowhere. All of a sudden, he's like a staple in the line of a T-Street. He's throwing yeah. contracts at everyone. It, it was it's not like a rock and tackle move. Arnett, like, Dude, it's ground that's zero. It's ground no. zero. <laughs> I, I think it was because Sean nobody... Flair's Florio <laughs> is throwing out conspiracy theory right here. I think we all knew it. Just nobody really came out and said, said it. it. Okay, yeah, you know that's funny. Get Farney yeah. on the pod, dude. If, no, we should. Let's call we, him. Hey, yeah, we let's will. Call him. Well, look at the depth they went and you know funded Dragon at the same time or shortly after. Like, there's definitely some oh, there's strategy, dude. Some crazy, yeah, there like back end strategy. Yeah, I'll tell you guys firsthand as we get into this. But you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Well, well let's. It's, it's okay. <laughs> it's pretty crazy though. <laughs> that Oakley would go to that great length of putting their marketing guy in the heart of our net country, right? Yeah. Because it makes sense, but it doesn't make sense. Farney, we need to get you on this that, to, to confirm. And, so, okay, go. And, of course, like, everyone in the surf community, like, respects Farney. Of yeah. course. You know, he shows up and everybody's Tour like, Tour surfer, oh, freaking rips. Farney's the man. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And he's very likable, you know, and... So, so Farney's out in the water propagating Oakley, right? Yes. He's promoting Oakley, getting yeah. kids riding for Oakley, and, and you're sitting there he watching He's getting it. ahead of it. Yeah. So Arnett is, is happening. So Arnett is like, at that point, it was just, you're hearing about it, you know, and like, there wasn't, I don't think there was much of a basis out there yet. You're just kind of hearing it, maybe like some stickers or, um, you know, I knew at that point, like Chris Burke, he was a part of it. And so you have Big B running around town, hyping it up and promoting it. So now it's like you got two big industry dudes. You got Farney and you got Chris Burke. And those guys are both in San Clemente. And Farney kind of came in and beat him to the punch because everyone's under contract now with Oakley. And so that was, I think, it was a full block and tackle move. Wow. You know, it was very smart. And I look back at that, kind of knew it was happening at the point, but now you look back and I'm like, wow, those guys are, you know, getting ahead of it. Yeah. So, because again, when you look back at those times, like Greg Arnett, he came from Oakley. He was a head designer. And so the story that was told to me was... Greg left Oakley at a time when he just didn't really like the direction Oakley was going with their designs. And if you think about it, Jay probably remembers some of the stuff. He wrote Chucky. for Oakley yeah, for many years. I mean, you know, it's like there's no Oakley sticker on your board. It was HDO. Yeah. High, High definition, definition optics. optics. <laughs> and I remember like so. Thermo nuclear, what was it? Protection. Yeah, something. Yeah, just yeah. freaking technology. Just yeah. But there, there were them and Quicksilver, who were obviously the, the big corporate guys at that time, 
had specific like team logos versus yeah yeah versus a lot of the other brands i mean back in the day you would see actually the logo and team like in the 80s and then it kind of like just yeah gravitated towards it was a different logo yeah yeah so 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 anyways this is all kind of happening and so like farney comes in i got a nice little like oakley contract i think it was for like a year you did yeah okay yeah and it was it was kind of like you know, maybe gave me a little like last ditch of hope to continue to try to compete. And like there was, you know, he was paying for our contests and that was kind of all I had for support was him. So he's paying for contests and there was like a little budget in there. I think it was like 200 bucks a month and I was supposed to pay for contests. So, so that's happening, you know, so Oakley's making this big push in town. And then on the other side, you have Arnett forming this like new brand and so like I was saying like you know Greg was a head designer at Oakley at a time when he just wasn't really supportive of the direction they were taking their sunglasses it was very futuristic if you remember like Sub-Zero's yeah remember the Sub-Zero's X-Metal Sub-Zero's yeah Yeah, like I mean dude Larwart Larwart yeah Lord, Lord because you had to. Yeah. Not because you wanted to. Like, I felt Oh, he wanted to, though. <laughs> I, I love the blades. I doubt it. And the frog skins. So the blades were cool and the frog yeah. skins. Like, that's what you wanted to wear. Yeah. Laura always went to the beach with that one that went like this. Oh, dude, the face. <laughs> no, I did not. But yeah. I can't remember what that thing was called. What were those called? I don't know. <laughs> dude, but like, we'll sub-zeros and the zeros. But, like, Google those things. They yeah. were but they, they wanted there. to be the, the new X Nike. The, yeah, the new Nike, you know? Yeah. yeah. Of, you know, I mean, they eyewear. Were just taking so you wrote for Oakley. So which started is, riding for Oakley. Okay. Right when the Arnett thing was, was Percolating. starting to yeah. kind of come to surface. Yeah. And again, it was just like hearsay. Didn't really know too much about it. But we just know like this guy, Greg Arnett, who also, you know, came from the surf industry. And the surf shop. And your Good area. Surfer. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking puts that thing right in the backyard. But he <clears throat> orchestrates a all-star team based on who he is, you know? So that's a thing. Yeah. You know, so it kind of starts out. And so then all of a sudden I'm seeing like Chris Burke around town and he's trying to like kind of counterpunch Farney. Yeah. So, you know, Chris is in the lineup like, you know, promoting Arnett and just trying to pick up anyone that had like, you know, signed a deal with Farney. So that's going on. You're kind of seeing it both happen, like right in front of your face. And um, so anyways, you know, I'm still surfing, still competing. And, um, you know, I think a turning point for me in my life, especially my career, um, takes me to Ocean Beach, San Francisco. It's a PSWA event. And I'm heading up there with Farney. He's taking Chad and myself. We're driving up. Um, I think we stopped in Santa Cruz for like a couple days to hang out with Homer. He Nard. Yes. Caught, you know, did a, did a couple days. Stylist, with barber, extraordinary. Barber, fucking good surfer. With a surf dog, right? With the surf dog. East side yeah. guy, you know. Um, and then we head up to San Francisco. And, you know, we're up there for the event. And uh, I just remember, you know, hanging with Farney and like Farney does everything first class. 
you know, he's taking us out to like whining. Damn right, he's got the Oakley freaking Dude, corporate yeah. car. car. Fucking driving up there in the Oakley truck, you know, puts us up in a killer hotel, like basically right on the water. Killer dinners and, you know, it's like, it's kind of nice, you know, yeah. getting a little, getting a little bit getting of that. Getting pampered. <clears throat> the pampered. The yeah. fluff and fold. So then you got Chris Burke shows up, you know, and he's up there like, as the marketing guy, Farndad, again, this thing's just kind of starting, and I think they had maybe one model, but it wasn't, I don't even know if it was really in the market yet, but you can kind of see it, like two brands going completely opposite directions, you know, Oakley's going very futuristic, and Arnett comes in with this just like fucking super sick vibe, like the coolest The shit. classic rap, like, Just yeah. the classic Every, rap, yeah. kind of, you know, Black Dot was the first... One, the right? Black Dog was the first model, model yeah. that they put out. Yeah. And so I remember I, I, <clears throat> I saw him up there and he was rocking him and he was like kind of flowing mm-hmm. people glasses like, oh my God, those things look so much fucking cooler than this shit I'm wearing. And this is 93? It's probably 92. 92. This is in 92. So yeah, again, I'm like a year, year out of high school, <clears throat> just trying to figure out life, what to do, where to go. And... Um, yeah, so, so my first heat up there, Chris Burke's in, in my first heat. Chris Burke's in your heat. So, yeah, he was still competing. Yeah, he's probably like seven, seven, eight years older than me. You know, he's like probably mid-late 20s. And so, yeah, he's still still surfing good, but he's now the marketing, head marketing for Arnett. Yeah. <clears throat> and um, so he's in my heat. And... Uh, you know, our heat, surf our heat, come in. You know, Ocean Beach, like, you know, walking Long up beach. the beach. Yeah, huge tides. Yeah, huge yeah, tides. Yeah, big tides. And, and so we're walking Foggy, up the beach together. Yeah, sketchy. And uh, I just, I remember the conversation. You know, we're walking in together and, and he lost. I made it through. And he, I just remember he's just like, he's like, Fleurs. He's like, he's like, man, when are you going to wrap this thing up? He's like, you know, I don't know. He's like, I don't know. He's like, I don't know if you can do it. Like fully questioning the ability. Wrap up your career in <coughs> yeah, like competing. He's like, yeah, yeah, just kind of like say before you just paddle, out, not poking. after. After this, after he, after <laughs> he just lost. He lost, and you're and I'm still advancing. And he's just like, he's like, yeah, man. He's like, he's like, why don't you come work for us? Why don't you come work for our net? He's like, why don't you, you know, start your career and. This is a conversation we're having as we're walking up wow. the beach. Like I remember the conversation vividly because, you know, I was like, kind of felt like maybe there was a new pulsing competition for me and had the support from Oakley and Farney. And then on the other side, like Chris, who I had a lot of history with and kind of grew up with yeah. and looked up to, um, you know, he's already like kind of poking at me. Like, it's like, dude, just fucking get out of it, dude. Come work for us. Like, this is your backyard. And do and what? Like start your career. Like Talking like career, like getting this, you know. Like but this is on work. a walk out of the water, out of a heat. Yes. yes. It's so weird to have that kind yes. of conversation. It was weird. Yeah. Okay. So, so, and so I was just like, I'm like, dude. How'd you do in the contest? So I think I made it through one more heat and then was out. So again, okay. like I'm looking at this thing too. Yeah. Like, I mean, you see the writing on the wall. Yeah. Like, yeah. For me, at that point, I was and, just like, and that that conversation really 
That conversation stuck in your head. So that conversation was like, for me, it was very real. Yeah. You know, for me, like the wheels were starting to turn a little bit and like maybe it's time to start looking at something different. <clears throat> and so whatever, you know, we, he kind of just put, put that at me and then, um, you know, he's out there hanging at the event and then we're hanging at the event. I didn't say anything to Farney, obviously, because uh, we're all hanging out. Like, you know, Farney and Chris Burke, they, they were buddies too. So, but you can kind of see like there was now this divide that was starting to happen. <clears throat> so anyways, come back to town and I run into, or Big B, he's calling me. Like Chris, he calls me, he's like, um, he's like, hey, what do you think? Like, let's get you in here, dude. Come up, like meet Arnie and the crew. Like, you'll be psyched. And did you have any idea like what you're, what they're asking you to, to come be like your zero. job? Like just yeah. zero. You know, this thing was like, like we got a, this position open that's perfect. No for position, nothing, like no resume. They're just nothing. trying to build their team. Yeah, whatever I mean, it is, they're just trying to like I think bring some bodies in to come. Whatever Oakley's paying you will pay you half. And it wasn't even that. This I'm was just not. Kidding, a, but you know, like this wasn't even a uh, like hey come surf for us. This yeah. was like come take a job. Yeah. And work with like you know some of your friends. So like my buddy Enoch, he was already there. Um, you know, Enoch was like one of the first people to start working there. I think he's the fifth hire. <clears throat> he was probably like first five. Yeah. And so now I'm starting to think like, okay, this could be cool. Cause now I'm starting to really see it. Like fuck our net was a rad brand and it was coming in with a lot of energy and just a totally different approach to the eyewear market. And I'm sitting here with these Oakleys that I was like almost embarrassed to wear. Yeah. Like anytime there was girls around, I would take them off. And so I was like, yeah. Lar. Yeah. I mean, Cha-ching. Lar was probably making a little Cha-ching. bit more money. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I wear that flag all day yeah, long. I mean, hey, how, dude, how, how big of a note you want on the board? Yeah. I mean, there's probably an extra zero on his paycheck to mine. You know, 200 bucks, probably making two grand. Whatever. So anyways, um, yeah. So he invites me up. And I walk into the office up there. It was in the business park in San Clemente. 927 Cali Negocio. still remember that to this day. And they had one building. <clears throat> so I walk in and there's Arnie. And Arnie was very like private. You know, he always ran his business. He was always very private. Kind of had this like mystique to him. And um, so I go in there. First thing he says is, so what's up? with you ride for Oakley he's like do you have a contract with Oakley and I said yes he's like okay he's like I can't do anything for you but if and when you get out of it come back and see me and we can talk about giving you a job here wow and so I was like okay I'm like fuck Big B could have like saved us both the hassle but so Big B's like no I just like I just wanted you to meet him and see the setup uh, kind of just check it out you know and had one of my other buddies was starting to work there too. So you can kind of see where it was going. Like they were just bringing in like friends. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't about like what your resume looked like or how smart you were. Or well, your friends are kind of already pumping you up. I already have like two of my best friends. Yeah. They're vouching. working there. Yeah. 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 And, yeah. Oh, Sean, he's <clears throat> awesome. Dude's a cool dude. Like, you know. Well, yeah. You know, I, I knew a lot of, obviously growing up in Tecme, like kind of knew everybody already too. And, um, you know, kind of another story that we missed was the other guy that was there 
that was running the sales and kind of operation side was Bruce Beach. Mm. And so I knew Bruce a little bit because when I was like 14, funny story, Bruce actually, <clears throat> there was a contest I had to get to up in Pismo Beach. And that was like the last event for the season for the, my WSA. And I was ranked second. It was that year I finished second. It was the best, you know, my best um, result. And so my mom couldn't get me up to Pismo, but I had to be in this event or I was at risk of like falling out of the top, top two position. Yeah. And so somehow she called somebody in the WSA organization and she links me up with, or they linked us up with one of the judges that was driving up to the contest. Nice. And he's based in Huntington Beach. <clears throat> and so I just remember, fuck, I was 14. My mom drops me off at a 7-Eleven and out walks Bruce Beach. <laughs> so Bruce is my ride up to Pismo Beach for this contest. He's a judge. So I'm like, yeah, fuck, this is cool. And um, yeah, so that's how I first met Bruce. <clears throat> so we get up there and we... We end up staying at his buddy's house who lives in San Luis Obispo. And so we roll in. It's kind of late at night. No, it wasn't certain. So we roll up to this dude's house and fucking knock on the door. It's pretty late at night, probably like, you know, close to midnight. And this fucking dude opens up the door, buck naked. I'm 14, just totally violated at this point. <laughs> and it was fucking Kurt Fry. Kurt no. Fry, Big C, Big C, butt naked, butt naked. Wow! <laughs> I was just like, whoa, what just happened? I was like, oh, okay, that was so a, now. So now you're, this is how it connects with you. Multiple dudes that I know. Yeah. So again, like I, I'm a girl. I have, I have no idea what my future is. And all these guys are on net. That I'm gonna eventually start working with these guys. Yeah. You know, five, six years later. <clears throat> so that's who I'm hanging with that weekend. How's that reunite with? With, with Kurt and you're like, dude, you opened the door when I was like 14, buck naked. Yeah. So <laughs> you have a big dick, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Not far. I can't really speak far. <laughs> Thankfully, kind of just. It was really cold that night. <laughs> Shrinkage. Shrinkage. Shrinkage is real. Uh, so, so you, how much time was on your contract after this meeting? You know, this initial meeting. So I think that was in like September, and my contract was going to expire. At the end of the year. Okay. And so, but <clears throat> I was already sold. Like, I already knew this is what I wanted to do. Yeah. I was just ready, gung-ho. My friends were in it. I'm just watching. Like, hey, guys you needed to jump another brand anyway. I it was know. About that. It was time. <laughs> it was this time, dude. I was already bored. Yeah. You know? Um, dude, six months? Fuck this brand. Yeah. I'm on another long. one. Way too long. <laughs> it's time, dude. I had to, I had to, you know... <laughs> Ready to make a move. <laughs> what do you got? What do you got? Brand horn over here. Dude, I had to get a little taste of everything, you know? Like, of course. <clears throat> Why not? Life's too short. Way too short. You gotta, you gotta go where the money is. Well, at that point, I just needed, like, this is a turning point. And Come I just on. saw, like, this thing with Arnett was just was super rad. Yeah. You know, like, my friends are coming home and, like, they're wearing radder shit than me. Their brand is radder than what I'm doing. And so to me, it was at that point, it was just a no-brainer. You know, like I was just kind of ready to just, you know, try to yeah. figure out something else, get a job. So you were, job. you were coming to the terms of like, okay, 
Pro surfing might not be in the cards in the competitive <clears throat> way. I think I always kind of knew that. Like that was always in the back of my mind. But for me, it was always like I was just really competitive and I was going to take it as far as I could take it. Yeah. You know, I was going to go as far as I can. And at that point too, like, you know, Chris and like Enoch, those guys are like, no, get over here. Like you want to get on board. Like early on, like be one of the first ones to come over because yeah. then you can kind of grow with the business and like I remember Chris was always like dude you know how much the Oakley customer service guys make those guys make like 50 grand a year and back then I was like whoa really yeah so I was like okay that's real money yeah back then I was like real money and so you know here I am like you know I did okay in school but my education went as far as a high school degree yeah and so I was like you know that's at least smart enough to think about these things back then yeah so i tried you know i went in did that thing and then so after i went and interviewed with greg and chris i went straight back to farney i said hey um here's my situation um i want to go work for net and wow. they, they won't let me do anything until you let me out of my contract so i said well you let and me there's out only a couple months left though but it's only a couple months left, yeah. but I could see like that thing was growing like a weed. Yeah, yeah. There was I had more kind friends. Of yeah, <clears throat> I didn't want to be like the last guy at the party. I wanted to be the first guy at the party. Yeah, you know. So, so I was like, I want to get on this thing right away. I mean, I, I would that would have been my thing. It's like, dude, all my For friends sure. are there. I want to be with my friend. You know, like it's, it was just cool. Like yeah. I could just see like this thing was fucking. And it had a Farney. Yeah. What did Farney say? So Farney, like he put the sales pitch. He's like, he's like, oh, you know, like what if we like. You know, put a little Spice more money little in the bank for you. Like, you're not done. You know, what are you doing? Like, trying to wrap this thing up. And I kind of got hyped on that for a minute. And I'm like, God, am I? Like, I'm 19, like 18 or 19. Am I ready to go to work full time? You know, eight to five. So it's kind of like, what do I do? What do I do? Yeah. But dangling the carrot. But I was like, you know, <clears throat> so he's like, oh, he's like, he's like, think about it. You know, so I was kind of like, all right. So I don't know. I didn't take confiding in your mom, like anybody, like no, with, like, I mean peers that you're like, hey, what should I do? I mean, I had my friends that were there, like yeah. Enoch and Chris, are like, get out of it, get out of it. And then I had like Chad, you know, one of my best friends, who's diehard like, Oakley, who he's right for Oakley, and yeah. he's going to all these contests, and it's like, you know, we we're kind of like, like his wingman. He's like, who am I going to go to contests? You know, and <clears throat> to put it in perspective, what what energy drinks are to sponsorships today is what sunglasses were to sponsorship pretty, pretty much and I didn't not, even not know as that big yet. maybe but you I know. didn't even know that yet like, like yeah. right, the rivalries back then and then the rivalries and the money the, for sure, the money, money that you're getting paid so so <laughs> so anyways we get past all that Farney lets me out I start working at Arnett so I'm barely again I'm like Barely out of high school, I'm like 19 years old. I think I'm like, you know, number 10 in terms of like employees. Yeah. So you walk in there and it's like the pecking order is like Greg, you know, Greg Arnett. And then you've got Bruce Beach on one side, he's running sales and operations. And then you got Chris Burke on the other side, like he's running marketing. And then I had a couple of my friends. So I was like, all right, fuck, I'm in. You yeah. know, I got a job, I'm working eight to five or whatever, nine to five. 
until I felt like, okay, what, here we what go. Do you do, what do you do? So, yeah, so. Hey, guys, what do I do? Yeah. yeah. So, interesting, you know. We, um, so I, my first day, I remember I started, do you guys know Kevin Kosha? Yeah. Does that name ring a bell? Yes. So, my first day was his first day. We started together at the same Shut time. Shut the front wow. door. Yeah. Is he from San Clemente? No. No. He's San Diego, He right? was another, so, yeah, he was, he was a friend with another one of this guy, uh, Jeff Reese. Do you know Jeff and Rob Reese? I remember Rob Reese. Rob, Rob was like part of Visla, yeah, yeah. Blanc. So Rob and Jeff were like Rob was like the finance guy there, and Jeff, his brother, was like the warehouse manager. So Kevin was buddies with them. So he came in. So we started the first day, and literally, I started in production. You started in production. <laughs> I started in production, and that's just because that's where they needed a body. That's just where they need a body. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's just kind of where you start from, you know, from the ground floor and you work your way up. And so there was like this little room. Production's not the ground floor though. Production Production's there was the ground floor. Okay. It was the ground floor. So literally I would sit there with this heat gun and you would pull these frames out of one box, heat up the frame, and then you take this other box that had lenses and you would pop them into the frames. <laughs> so that's yeah, what I did. I remember Bruce telling us that they, they came out and they yeah. had to swap out all the, all the yeah. lenses. Yeah, the blue, so that, the blue that came, yeah, I remember that actually. That came a little bit later. So, but this was when like eyewear, like you didn't have like the mold injections and it didn't just come out of molds. You know, you actually had to like assemble shit. And then Greg back then was so meticulous with everything. Like you had basically like, I'm just a fucking guy walking off the streets and I'm like building your product, you know, and you're super meticulous. So he had this whole like kind of graph and you had to like build it, shape it, and it had to fit in this like kind of this weird mold. And so that's what I did for eight hours a day and started. And um, there's only a, a couple of us doing that. What was your uh, pay? It's probably like minimum wage. You know, you didn't, you didn't come over there for at that point for like you know a big salary yeah. you came over there for, for the culture for the, yeah culture the crew, yeah yeah the camaraderie, mm -hmm. the camaraderie. No, I, but it's pertinent to know what you know what you're getting yourself into at that point for me it was like i have a full-time job you know i can move out of my house i could freaking you know get a place with my friends which eventually you know those things happen but um yeah it's just like career this is like a career move and yeah. i knew like this is a career move so <clears throat> i'm in the surf industry yeah and you know fuck maybe i don't have to go to college one day you know maybe i can just kind of stay here and just grow so anyways things there evolved really fast you know i probably spent a couple weeks what is this 93 90 this is like 92 okay then we're kind of coming into 93 you know, like when I was there, they had just launched the second model, which was called the Raven. And that thing was even more badass than the Black Dog. Yeah. So I was like, fuck. And like, in our world, that was the first, like, bendable. That was the coolest thing that hit our surf industry. Yeah. I think in a long time. 
It was the first one that you could bend the, the arms, right? So you can, yeah, you can kind of shape it, like yeah. have that metal hinge, mm -hmm. you know, where you can kind of shape it. But yeah, dude, I was still like... I, I posted a photo of uh, Tom Cruise in a uh, Jerry Maguire movie, him wearing those. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. But, but what's wild is they launch a brand on one model at the time. <laughs> like... Yeah. Nowadays, yeah. you gotta have like a collection. Yeah, you, you gotta you have like you know. Yeah. It's like launching a podcast. You gotta have like eight to ten. But yeah, yeah, you know, <laughs> totally not. But yeah, no, that's that's what people say. You, yeah. you gotta yeah. have two guys to make it like an actual like cast, yeah. and like one hand feeds the other, and one's the brains, but, and one's but, but, but the, the brains, the marketing, and yeah, the marketing. <laughs> the side, the sidekick. Yeah, talks about himself all the time. So, but, so you're but, in. But, one model to two models. Yeah. Yeah. It happened pretty quick. Yeah. I think, you know, Arnett at this point is probably like in business for maybe six months. You know, there's probably like a few weeks there was where it was all just like, hey, this thing's coming. But Arnie was very like secretive, you know, like he never would give you more than he wanted you to see or even talk about. Yeah. Interesting. And he was very like discreet with information. He, you know, I just remember like, I had the fucking pledge, you know, there was no NDAs, but it was like this pledge, like, you fucking walk in this door and you don't ever fucking talk about, once you leave... The first rule of Fight Club. <clears throat> you don't ever talk about what goes on behind closed doors yeah. in this place. And uh, I was like, whoa, okay. You know, fuck, I don't have visibility or exposure to much. I'm just putting some shit together. Yeah. So, yeah, I started off, was building shades, and then, um, you know, I remember we were working with Japan Optical at that time, and um, it was like, <clears throat> at the same time, there was like, Arnie and Bruce and those guys were starting to kind of work with Italy, because Italy, it, you know, they had molds, and... Yeah. You know, you didn't have production there. Italy outside. was where you want to be if you're in the sunglass category, if you can get to that. You yeah. kind of find out, like, Italy yeah, was, like, the hot spot for sure. eyewear. <clears throat> and I didn't know that. I was just, you know, like, I just knew Japan Optical, like, they didn't have molds. You're putting your shit together, and it wasn't very good. And then all of a sudden, we kind of made this move to, um, to like, an Italian manufacturer. And so, you know, through that process, that was probably like a six-month process. And, and I just remember there was times, like, <clears throat> with, um, with production, like, we would get a shit ton of production in, and we'd have just stacks of orders. And, dude, Bruce would come in, like, be the end of the day, and he'd be like, all right, you guys, like, everybody, all hands on deck, like, the finance chicks and everybody, we need Packers. everybody... No, we need everybody like to stay late and we need everybody like you guys are going to make product you guys are going to pack orders and dude it was like pretty quickly come to realize like you know this thing was was uh you know blowing gonna up gonna blow up fast <laughs> yeah you know because we had a small team and dude i can't even tell you how many times i would stay till like midnight just boxing orders so that the next day fucking pack those orders and you know you have thousands of orders going out the door so i think <clears throat> you know that kind of tells a little bit of story into my career 
it's just we're, we're learning like work ethic. Yeah. That was the one thing I think that I learned the quickest working for like Greg and Bruce was like, you're coming in over here and we own your ass. <laughs> you know, like you don't want to be the guy that's like, oh, I can't stay late tonight and do the walk of shame while everybody else there is like yeah. busting their ass, you know? Well, you know, in speaking with Bruce and then listening to his, you know, story about Arnett and how hard, but like how quick, you know, and how how much success Arnett had so, so quickly, you know, it, it blew up pretty quickly, yeah. but it, crazy. it wasn't because it was crazy. not just, I mean, luck has a lot to do with everything. Timing. But the, the work that everyone put in. Yeah, I mean, there, you know, like that, that really, it, it, you don't be, you can't be successful without a lot of hard work. No and, way. And yeah. Bruce, Enoch, now, now you, you know, talking about Arnett, it's, it's really, it's a trip to hear how much work it takes to, to, you know, to, to be successful. Cause yep. like the, the orders coming in, that's step one, you know, the building of the product is step two, and then the shipping of the product is step three, and then getting paid for the product is step four, right? Like all that knowledge, experience, and, and like, you know, going through all those experiences, dude, you're lucky you went to the, you know, we always say this, you went to the, I went to the school of Huntington Surf and Sport, the University of Huntington yeah. Surf and Sport. You went to the University of Arnett. Yeah. Right? Like you say that a lot actually. Yeah. Because yeah. you 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 know, business is so fundamental, right? It's like really simple in in, in like the concept of business, right? Like you, you make a product, you market a product, you sell the product, right? It's pretty simple. Product but, plus marketing equals sales, right? Isn't that the like, <laughs> scientific thing that you were taught many moons ago? Yeah, but it, it's not just that, right? It's all the other things that, you know, that you have to have to have a successful business. Timing, cr a crew, like you said. Like, yeah, you passionate know, crew. You know, passionate crew. Yeah, yeah. But, but also, yeah. like compelling product and compelling marketing like you got to disrupt the, like what was out there and they were doing that they came out swinging with something that's not a knockoff that was in their own you know they're creating yeah told, something different but then they had the people authentic people that had a lot of yeah clout that, within that, the industry that uh, for sure they had pride in in their work and in yeah. like work ethic and and I, like wanting to succeed for yourself but also for all your bros that you're working with but kurt yeah kurt fry was you know like you, you brought him up earlier but he was yeah. early on board dude he was yeah. a big part of it yeah, yeah big b big c big c, c, big c. c. yeah whole like central coast big group. f yeah big f <laughs> so you you started in production started in production We're, walk us through your evolution at arnett 
So, yeah, I mean, again, like, it happened pretty quick. Uh, felt like we were bringing people in, like, every week or every other week. So, I did production, like, Kevin, Coach, and I, we were doing production. And then, literally, like, a couple weeks into it, then I got moved into the warehouse. And I was, like, packing orders, um, you know, grabbing pick tickets and shipping, like, just doing, you know, um, restocking pick boxes, um, you know, building inventory, all the shit that I just built. I take that, go load the pick boxes. So, um, yeah, just learning those different parts of the business, which, you know, end up being so valuable later on. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, so just kind of doing that. So warehouse, um, and then eventually moved into like customer service, warranty. And then we got to a point where the business was just fucking growing like really super fast. And we were just like, just feeding it constantly. Um, we lost production, so that ended up going away because now we're under like Italian-made manufacturing. So like everything's now coming to us like Complete. pre-made. Yeah, so it's basically you're just unpacking those boxes and just loading the pick boxes. So then it's like, you know, probably spend like a year or two in like customer service warranty and just learn like, you know, the value of like customer service, continue to learn the product. And then we get to a point where things continue to evolve. So then, um, you know, it's like myself and in the customer service, like warranty department, it's myself and Don Dyer. Double D. Double D. So Donnie and I, we get pulled into what they call the sales pit. And so sales pit. The sales pit. So we're all like in the warehouse part of the building and then the sales pit, now you're actually like in the office part, right? <clears throat> and, uh, and so now we're starting to work with like Bruce Beach, who was the VP of sales. And he was really, you know, kind of the head guy running the operation. And then we were working with the sales managers, who was Enoch, um, Jeff Davis. If you guys know Jeff, he's kind of been around, JD. Yeah. And Gary Siskar. Siski. Those three guys. Those three guys. Those were your three sales managers. So Donnie and I, we come in, and we're just like these guinea pigs. Like, we're doing some order entry. Um, you know, if order entry was all done, we were caught up, <clears throat> then be like, Enoch would hand me a call list. And be like, all right, call these accounts, you know, in this territory. And so we just fucking start calling customers. Like, hey, you guys need anything? You know, it's like this whole, like, our, our department protocol was the reps were responsible to visit the accounts at least once a month. And then we wanted to touch the accounts with a phone call at least once a month. So it's just elevating customer service. Yeah. You know, and that was... The backup to the backup. Yeah. So it's just like, dude, constant communication because our shit was selling fast. Yeah. And like the reps couldn't be in the stores fast enough. So, Greg, Bruce. What, a, what an incredible problem. <laughs> yeah, no, literally, it was fucking gnarly. Like, you know, uh, I get a list of like 20 accounts and probably 10 of them will give me an order. Yeah. And they just saw the rep two weeks ago. But it's like, you know, you're a rep, you got a big territory. How, how often can you actually be in the stores unless you're like GT and you're in the backyard and it's like, 
you know, you could see all your accounts in a day. Yeah. But anyway, so, so we're doing these like cold calls and we're now like officially in the sales department. And, um, so I just remember like Bruce would come in and it'd be like the start of the month and he'd be like, all right, you guys, we need to do like 300 grand, you know, like this is our goal. And so I was like, you know, you have your sales managers and they're like kind of divvying it up amongst the reps. So the reps had the goals. We had the department goal. And it was like, Sean, Don, okay, you guys are part of this too. I need you guys to, you know, make this many calls this week. <coughs> and um, so that was that part, I feel like, was kind of a turning point in my career too because that's when I was like, you know, fuck, I want to hit my numbers, you know? I want to hit my goals. Like, yeah. It almost sounds like a stock market. Uh, Dude, it was like pit. a stock market sales pitch. Yeah. What, you know? Was it like a boiler room? Almost, it was. right? You know, like, like we're fucking calling people were, and was reps it, are calling in. And was it like existing accounts only, or were you like, hey, I want you to search for new accounts and send no. rep info on like these potentials? Or no, no? it's none of that. It, just it was, you guys were like, like existing. You were the hot brand it was, that everybody wanted. So count it, it wasn't like. You needed to search new accounts. It was like you need to service accounts. Accounts are sure. calling in, open like, hey, how do we become a, a dealer? Were you getting those calls? Yeah, sure. You you have um, that. No, those would go to the sales managers. Like we, me and Donnie, we were like, we were like pretty green. You know, yeah. Like yeah. this is like very entry level sales one hundred and one. Yeah. Just pick up the phone and can you guys sell something? Okay, prove it. So that was like our task yeah. every day. Like pick yeah. up the phone and like. We were supporting the sales managers. We were supporting the sales reps. Yeah. You know, like GT, like GT was in Riverside. Okay, fucking call his accounts along the coast. You know, so it was like kind of a divide yeah. and conquer. So that was the model that was created in that sales department. Right. So it's kind of really cool. And which relates to today, dude. If you're an eyewear brand, like, how do you not go off that model? Even though you have all these technologies and B2Bs and all these different platforms like yeah. dude the value of a fucking phone call today oh the value of showing up or personal service yeah that personal, personal service yeah that's that's really what i don't know I, to me that's, that's the, the key extra. that's but, the key to long lasting relationship and business relationship could separate you from the rest yeah. of the bunch but it's 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 really funny because uh like when you when you talk about that hierarchy of sales, right? You have Bruce Beach up here, and then the three managers, yeah. and then you two. It's like, all right, you know, like it, it's like listening to a, a stock market, you know, bullpen. It's like, hey, what? we need to hit here. Okay, yeah. we're gonna we're gonna separate those numbers. This, you know, this rep, this region, this, you know, this account base, and then bam. You guys follow that up like it's it's a but but a neat like you know triage of of, of like sales assassins. <laughs> but yeah. going, going back to like you guys paid for yourselves by by having this infrastructure set up and you guys executing like right now it, like you said it should be the norm now but I think companies would be like well we don't need these positions because. We want to save a buck or it's not really, yeah. you know, like yeah. I think if you really look. Instead at, of having this guy, let's just have this guy do it too. Let's yeah. make it automated, yeah. you know. But, like but you, don't you know what a, I mean? Like if, yeah. if they, yeah. it's, you know, if you went back to that model, like people would, it would pay for like positions. Yeah. And, and it benefits the company and everybody, you know, 
in it. Yeah, for sure. So, pardon me. Yeah. So, I mean, business just continued to crank. We were growing. And, uh, you know, I'm in this role of sales, and I felt like, you know, this whole time, like, this is where I want to be. You know, I've, I felt like this was a, um, a position that really suits me, you know, allows me to be competitive and always driving towards like sales goals and sales projections. And like, I just want to fucking show up every day and win. That's it. You know, and I didn't go to our net because I was going to make a lot of money. I went because it was an opportunity and it was just like, you know, the cool brand. Yeah. And With your all bros. my friends were there. Yeah. So, you know, now the eyewear market is starting to get a little bit more saturated. You got brands coming in like Black Flies. Um, they were, you know, making a good run, kind of had a different point of view. Yeah. And now there's like the brand's growing, and now there's all this kind of weird shit happening, like always hearing like lawsuits with Oakley and. You know, those guys were like just intentionally like always throwing lawsuits at us just so that we would burn money wow. and be a distraction, you know? So then you think about, you know, a couple of years later, Dragon shows up, they show up in the picture and ironically, it's like you got, um, what was the guy's name? Will Howard, right? Will, Will Howard. Howard, yeah. Okay. He was a fucking head designer. At Oakley, and he must have left on training. good terms because Jim Gennard and Oakley came in and financed Dragon, Dragon. because they needed something Combat. to try to slow down the Arnett train because yeah. that thing was moving fast. So they never admitted to that. Yeah, but I mean, it's we've heard it from other people. Yeah, maybe from just the Arnett camp, but. <laughs> It has to be the art. We believe it. Dude. We believe I mean, it. Dude, get some of those guys in here. I, I want to. I want to hear it. Like I want to hear Farney admit. Like yes, I moved to San Clemente because yeah. I was gonna get. I was gonna block the whole like Arnett thing from happening. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> I mean, look at the team riders and when when Dragon kind of like what Arnett did to Oakley, like as far as stealing particular people, like Dragon did the same. You know, you had. Like Machado wrote and, for Arnett, and yeah. then he wrote for Dragon, uh -huh. right? Yeah. Yeah, I think he, yeah, he might have gone full circle because I think he left, or he left Oakley to go, because I remember the story, I remember Big B telling me, he's like, yeah, I just got fucking Machado on board for free. He's like, he just left a paycheck from Oakley, but he's like, I'm just going to flow him a few extra pairs of shades and he can go sell them to his buddies. So that's kind of like how, how yeah. Chris, like, you know, how he would support bringing on like the Andy Irons and the Bruce Irons, like, but we, you know, they weren't paying those guys. They were just fucking giving them product to go sell to their friends. Yeah. But we talk about like this category exploding in the 90s. Yeah, blew up. You know, and then kind of the, the shoe scene kind of took right, like immediately, like right after like the, yeah. the shoe competitiveness and all the brands popping up and or whatever, but like, Sunglasses in the '90s, yeah, like holy smokes! It was, the, it was the pretty much just lit the industry on fire. Yeah. So, <clears throat> but there was a couple things we didn't really touch on too. Like, 
I don't, you know, there was a little bit of luck there, but I think a lot of it was timing because if you go back and look, like, that's when, you know, snowboarding was on the rise and, like... Goggles. Goggles, and that was, you know, a big part of action sports. And he had, like, punk rock music, you know? Like, that was a big part of the growth of action sports, yeah. you know? And, like, the warp Tours and all that stuff. Like, MTV. all those things. MTV. Yeah. All I mean, them. well, it was one of the few categories where you know like apparel wise it was pretty like specific for that like culture or that sport or whatever you know like maybe a couple crossed over but sunglasses kind of it was a blank canvas to fit on anybody yeah from a rock punk rock star to a moto dude to a skate well, dude to a surf dude and then they started what, developing all these categories within it it's it's funny how uh the media and in like you know music it all intertwines with our culture, right? And how MTV back in the day, fuck it, it made brands. marketing machine. Influence. It made it, it made Huge. brands. It oh, for you know, sure, man. Hurley, yeah, you know, Hurley's built up because of, of MTV. And... Hurley exploded onto the scene, yeah. and you know, <clears throat> talking with Bruce and and like you know, looking at the whole. Uh, the Raven with fucking what's his face, Tom, Tom Cruise, Cruise, and and the Beastie Boys, Madonna, Madonna, fucking Dennis Rodman, yeah, Mike, all of, Mike Piazza, yeah, from the freaking Dodgers back then, yeah, and and that John McEnroe, <laughs> and that all like helped our industry, and, helped and ignite our industry in a big way yeah. for sure. Jay Larson with X Metal. X metal. Why is it always got to be about you, bro? Was that yeah. what so, so, That's what it was called. So, X metal. So you, your role yeah. at Arnett, yeah. you, you just kept elevating. Yeah. And, and sales was your... Your home. Was your uh, forte, right? Yeah. Floros, floors, floor, floors, forte. That was floors. Flirt and floor, floor, that, that floor, was my sweet floor, spot. Yeah, that was your sweet spot. Yeah. So from there, um, Cheerio, Florio. <laughs> He's wanted to say that all night. <laughs> um, yeah. So, gosh, from there, we, um, you know, things are just growing at rapid fire, and you know, talk about like, you know, the lawsuits. You know, like Oakley's fucking throwing lawsuits at us left and right. Um, you know. Rumor is they even financed Varney's lawsuit to Ooh. when we had to change the, the, spelling the name, the spelling to Arnett. Yeah, A R N E T T E. Wow, which is his real name, right? Yeah, but he, but he liked the spelling. He liked it shorter. Yeah, yeah. Um, Fit nicely on the sides. You know, was hearing they were like financing Dragon to come out, or not Dragon? Obviously, Dragon. <clears throat> but Black Flies, you know, threw a lawsuit at us for something, infringement on a patent or wow. something. You know, the color of a land. So it's like, dude, that was their strategy to try to put Arnett out of business. And it's funny it's because that's, that's what shrewd cutthroat businessmen do. Yeah. You know? But, you know, I mean, they were a huge business, pretty much owned that space, and they just weren't like the cool guy, cool guy anymore. You know, like, they were too futuristic, even though, like, Oakley was still, you know, cool in their own way. 
they had like a rad team. You had like, yeah. you know, best probably snowboard program on the planet. Terje, Brian Gucci, guys like that. But uh, Arnett was kicking their ass. Yeah. Fast. And they were just, you know. In, in the space that created Oakley in the begin with. Like Oakley is so successful in all these other markets that Arnett probably didn't really play, but it didn't matter. It's about your, your, your home court, your home field, which was totally. the beach. Just came in very disruptive yeah and put those guys on their heels so so ultimately you know I think a lot of that kind of ended up playing into their hands and you know somewhere in their kind of mid late 90s Greg ended up selling the company to Bausch and Long mm. <clears throat> and um, Bausch and Long at that time owned Ray-Ban and so we were the only two brands like under that umbrella but that was like a billion dollar operation so you know it was I remember it kind of just being like a corporate change and noticing like a real like corporate vibe coming into the business <clears throat> so there was like actual titles and you know like just a very like corporate structure more structure yeah. into the business so so now you know those dudes are laughing, they got fucking paid out. You know, Big B couldn't buy the fucking mansion up the hill fast enough, couldn't furnish it, but he fucking bought the biggest house. And um, yeah, so those guys, you know, their positions were now elevated. So now I think Bruce moves into the president role under Greg and like Big B moves into like VP of marketing and we start bringing in more people. So we brought in like Matt Patterson, Matto. He came in, he was running marketing with Big B. And then on the sales end comes the John Gothard era. Oh shit. <clears throat> so <laughs> Gothard comes in and replaces Bruce as the VP of sales. And so that honestly was insane. You know, that for me was great. Um, <clears throat> you know, Enoch, at that point, I think he had kind of moved into a more international role. And JD, JD ended up getting fired at a sales meeting down in Mexico. <laughs> if you know who JD is. Yeah. And then Siski. He, he lived with me in high school. Oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah, I just saw him actually not too long ago, surfing T Street with his kid. Um, and then Siskar kind of stayed as is. Um, or, you know what, he might have moved into national sales manager. So we had VP, John Gothard, national sales manager, um, Gary Siskar, and then I moved into West Coast sales manager, and then Don moved into East Coast sales manager. So that's the structure. And that's, you know, that was like, <clears throat> you know, for me, like kind of a catapult into management. You know, so I'm now a couple years in, and I've learned a lot about business, learned about, <clears throat> you know, hustling and selling yeah. and product and building your brand. network. And what? Building your network. Like having a name. Uh, having a little uh, bit of a network, you yeah. know? Like a named, you know, basis at all the best retailers on, the, you know, your area, which was probably regional, now yeah. your whole West Coast. Yeah. So then I'm working with like probably some of the best in the business. So now I got Gothard and um, 
and then you know Tom Winchell Winch dude fucking Winchell GT Big, Big C. C I mean killing it that's a hard sales assassins ninjas dude yeah ninjas I mean they they put the bar at a totally different level <clears throat> than I think like any other reps you know they it's, made the Oakley reps look like fucking babies you know like I remember going on the road with GT for the first time and that was a that was a gnarly experience GT you know GT's like he's fucking got more energy than larger I've ever met dude Mr. Energy and it's so neat and and like refreshing but also like surprising where here you are right you look at GT right and GT is a snowboard legend right surfer skater commentator yeah. fucking entertainer he's the yeah. class clown moto he's the class clown he's a personality he's he's the front man of a brand right he's just like but these guys made your jobs but easy because they hustle they hustle yeah. like that's the thing about like you hit the road with those guys and you're like whoa gt's not just a funny guy He's all business. Oh yeah, dude. I mean, yeah, like we, we interviewed him, like, and it was like you're you're walking away with a fucking order every single time, no matter what. Yeah. If they all, if they know or not. Yeah. He's <laughs> all, I'm in every shop, the best shops on Monday, you know, yeah. which was the coast, and then Tuesday I'm in the best shops on the inland, and Wednesday I'm in the best shops that sold snow or moto, you know, like he had his t- program tight, and it was like he knew if he showed up consistently and hustled like he was going to be winning and well it's not even that like yeah he had it down to a science but i remember his whole thing too like we would walk in every store and he always made it um you know part of his program to make sure he greets everyone in the store yeah like every kid on the floor it's little things knew, knew their name little things always knew their name yeah. we walk in and like greet everybody knew everybody my name yeah. Knew the guys that were like snowboarders, like, hey, did you get up on the hill? Yeah. Or like guys that were getting like Because when you're not there, and he's not there, and somebody comes are. in and says, hey, what sunglasses or goggles should I buy? Arnett. Because he's our yeah. fucking favorite guy. So I feel like GT was one of those guys that raised the bar yeah. when it comes to rugby. Well, your, your, your whole squad there. Yeah. Tom Winchell. For sure. But even amongst that group. Yeah. You know, I was seeing things that he was doing that other guys were not. Yeah. So he raised the bar, and um, I mean, he was just the full package, dude. He was yeah. your marketing guy, your fucking sales guy. So how how long were you at Arnett for, and what what was so your? So ultimately, I was with Arnett. You know, so Bauchelam owned the brand for a couple of years, and then they ended up selling it to Luxottica. And so about six months into the Luxottica sale, you saw the impact pretty quick. You know, all of a sudden, like, Greg Arnett's not there. Um, You know, our finance department and our warehouse and, like, all these guys are gone. They're told to leave, you know, they're clipped. And so really all that was left was, like, sales and marketing and that's kind of it, you know. Wow. A couple of the designers, a couple of the creative guys, and you know, basically the team got cut in half, maybe more. So, you know, and then like obviously culture changes instantly, and you just feel like 
you know, this is, this is like family, you know, for the last few years. And, um, so you left on like your terms versus getting forced out or pretty much. I mean, <clears throat> so Gothard's still there. He kind of rode that thing out. He ended up going to spy, um, as a VP of sales. And then, you know, I watched like Bruce, Don, Mike Carter, Kip, like those guys disappeared and then to form to form electric. electric. Yeah. Didn't know that right away. And then you had like the GTs, um, Chris Burke, Von um, Zipper. A couple guys, Big C, like those guys went and formed Von Zipper. Yeah. So wild, right? <coughs> like that. Dude, the nucleus that came from there yeah. was just insane. Yeah. You know? And like the fact that twenty five plus years later, like those guys are still like relatively in pretty good positions. Yeah. So it was kind of you know, I guess like I was like one of the last guys to to, stay uh, to kind of stick it out, you know, at that point. It was me and this guy Todd. We were the regional sales managers and like now I'm kinda of integrated into the whole Exotica program. And so I was going back and forth to Port Washington, New York <clears throat> to report to these dudes who just didn't really understand what our net was, you know, and they didn't buy the brands for our net, they bought it for a uh, Ray-Ban, you know, because again, they bought it as a package deal. So we were just like this, you know, kind of peripheral thing that we were marketing driven, there was big marketing expenses, Ray-Ban was just, you know, a brand, and they just integrated into their system, it was like, you know, instantly fucking million to a billion. Yeah. You know, where for us, we were a marketing driven business and we were action sports. And these guys knew nothing about that world. <clears throat> so, saw that pretty quick. So, thankfully, um, I ended up getting a call from John Gothard. And Gothard calls me. He's like, he's like hey, Fleurs, <coughs> um, I'm moving some things around down here. You know, they're down in Carlsbad. And um, he's like, I want you to come down, check it out. And so he invites me down. I, I go down there and um, kind of brings me into the spy world. And at that point, like spy wasn't the coolest brand, you know, like they had a good goggle business from what I remember. I think they were like an $8 million brand and five of it was coming from goggles and like had this little sunglass business, but it was like sport frames, like the scoop series and it was kind of lame. <clears throat> and, uh, but they had a killer goggle business for snow and they were really big in moto. So he's like, you know, come down, check it out. I just wanted to check it out, you know, kind of meet the crew, see what you think. So I'm like, all right, go down there and meet him. And uh, the president was Barry Buckles, who, uh, you know, I don't know if he's around today, but um, so I go down there and he's like kind of showing me around a little bit, kind of just getting a tour of the office and and brings me into the design room and he shows me this frame um, that was that was pretty rad you know it's kind of like an updated version of like the catfish and had like a little family of products around it and he's like we haven't launched it yet but it was more like <coughs> fashion yeah. kind of aesthetics you know not so sporty and uh, he's like this thing right here is called the MC he's like, 
it's Jeremy McGrath's signature piece. Wow. He's like, we're getting ready to launch this. He's like, I need another regional sales manager. He's like, I want to fucking hire you. I'm like, all right, let's go. Wow. That's kind of how that happened. So I was at our, so Arnett, you know, I was there from 93 to 2001. So eight years, big part of my life. Fucking long run. Dude, that time of my life, that part of my career will never get replaced. Yeah. Ever. You know? The brand, the, the, the brand, the, the time, the, the, sports, the small everything. nucleus you came into, to what it, what you left at, you know, having it purchased two different times, the crew, like, yeah, you yeah. can't replace that. Can't replace it. You know, and all the knowledge and experience and the network you built from that, you know, time. For sure. It's amazing. And for me, like, yeah, I'm in my 20s, you know, I'm like, not much responsibility. Trade, the trade shows. We didn't even do trade business shows. trips. Yeah. Because you're you're the mixing business with pleasure yeah. the whole fucking time. Which was no trade so shows, unique. Oh yeah, you yeah, do trade put, shows. They put the money no into the, the sales meetings. Sales meetings. And yeah, they were sales gnarly. Meetings. Yeah, sales meetings were insane. Like if you didn't get invited to sales meetings, you were bummed. <laughs> so sales meetings were insane. So so yeah, how right. long with spy? So then I started spy, um, came in as a regional sales manager. Um, with, do you know Brian Casaro? Yep. You know Brian. Yep, he was yeah. a rookie guy. So Brian was one of the regional sales managers, and another guy was Nick Wozniak. Yep. So if you know Nick Wozniak. Yep. Um, so it was the three of us, and then Gothard. Gothard was our VP of sales, and then, you know, that was a cool little crew. We had like John Lee. If you guys know John Lee, he was marketing guy for a long time, monster, spy. Anyways, Came into that business, we were doing about eight million, and that thing took off <clears throat> pretty quick. You know, once we launched like this new line of eyewear, and uh, did they launch helmets while you were there, or is that after? no helmets? Yeah, maybe later. Later. Yeah, so you know, did that. My my position there never really elevated, so I was there from two thousand one to two thousand eight. Seven years. Seven years. Fuck. Yeah, it was a regional sales manager. Eight years at Arnett, seven, seven years, years there. Okay. Yeah, so a lot of eyewear. Um, yeah, dude, like 15 years with Gothard. You know, I would say, you know, Bruce was probably like the first kind of real mentor for me, working under him, you know, where it really learned like kind of just hustle. Work ethic was probably the thing I learned the most there. It was just like you get in here and you work your ass off. And you work harder than the guy sitting next to you, and you're going to go farther. Yeah. You know? And so I and did. Did that. Gothard then, is, is the, the, the school of fucking talking shit. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. So Gothard. And not in a bad way, no, but in a know. really good way. Yeah. And at this Gothard is so. He's like <clears throat> a, a swordsman with words. Gothard's a yeah. walking salesman. He's a walking salesman. Yeah. yeah. I mean. And. and at that time, and even you know previously, like where the sunglass category was kind of blowing up, it was very lackluster support within the store. It was like counter space, you know, like, and then it went to like towers and yeah. towers and towers. And yeah. where you're at, you know, it's not like you're. Tri- I, I remember when I was at HSS and sunglass case. It was like a little like built the sunglass case. Yeah, the one that's. 
kind of still there? It's still it, there, but it, it was, was different. On the other side. Yeah. Wasn't it on the yeah. other side before? It was on the other side. It was on the other side. And that was like the first sunglass wall yep. that I'd ever... Well, I, yeah, I, I didn't go to all the other places, but when we built that fucking sunglass wall, it was like game changer. And it was like, whoa, this is a category in our space. Yeah. yeah. And, and then, we did a lot of... Ver- we did, we haven't talked about divert diverting in gray marketing, but yeah, <laughs> that funded yeah. and ah, uh, dude, that was gnarly, yeah. so gnarly, so that shit paid gnarly. that shit paid for for me for Tabby trip, <laughs> thanks to Big C, yeah, hey, Big hit C. this goal when you're going to Tabby. Oh, uh, it wasn't even that. It's like he's Landon. like Sean, dude, GT, thank GT too, and myself because I used to uh, do a lot of that. Oh well, so big. C, You're welcome, Kurt. <laughs> Sean. Kurt was doing these tabby trips every year. He he invited me. I was his in-house guy, and he invited me. And I was like, you know, fuck. I can't afford that shit. I can't afford that, dude. Like a minimum wage over here. Your fucking monthly commission check, which I saw a couple of like twenty and thirty k um, commission checks. Yeah. You know, thanks to the gray market, um, was more than I was making in a year. Yeah. So Kurt's just like, you know what, dude? I'm gonna fucking pay for your trip. You're coming. I was like, dude. Yeah. Thank you, Big C, if you're listening. That yeah, was my first. Of course, listening. My first real like. That's epic. Surf trip. Big yeah. C paid for it. Yeah. He well, should have paid for a lot of them, dude. But I that, mean, you know, like the reps were good ass too. Like back then, you know, like GT worked for Moro, so I was like, oh, Sean, you need a snowboard? Yeah. Yeah. Fuck, here's a. Need some boots. Need yeah. a jacket. Yeah. So those guys were were. Yeah, you're yeah. they're your in-house support, and and they lean on you when you're on the road. And, and we made those guys day. a lot of money too. Yeah. Like, you know, there was no. I was calling you. Yeah, you you're fucking taking orders. You're taking. You're probably there's right. no, You're on the road. <laughs> spy. Yeah. Spy. What, what happened with spy? So spy. Oh God, you know that was another good, good run. We um, seven then eight or eight and then seven. What do you mean? Oh, seven years. 2001 years, to 2008. Yeah. Yeah. So in that time period, um, fast growth, brand did really well. We took it public. Um, I remember we took it public in like, I think it was 2005. So we took it public <clears throat> and. You get some just, good chairs early? Some, some equity? I did, ec- but it backfired. Equity? Really? Yeah, they gave us they gave us um, stock options. We took it and it backfired down the road. But Spy was a good run. We had a sick team there. So this was like, you know, kind of like 2.0. You know, you got like Nick Hennessy. That's your boys. Yeah. You know, he's fucking kind of HB. I know he's still whatever. Full Fountain Valley. Fountain Valley. I know you guys probably don't let him sit at the peak. But like Nick Hennessy, you had Brady, Mitchell, Todd Madsen, um, like Terry Claudio. Todd Madsen was a spy guy? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we had a good crew there. Like, <clears throat> we did a, a insane mentality trip. I don't know if you guys probably heard about that one. Yeah. So I think Nick told you guys. Yeah, yeah. He told us about that. He didn't that. give you, I don't feel like he gave you guys the whole nuts and bolts of that thing. Though. I think he left some stuff out, maybe protecting you know, some people. But Yeah. So that sure. crew was insane. Um, and then yeah, it's like we what went happened? public <laughs> on the trip. No, like yeah, we can talk about the trip, but the spy, 
So Spy went public, and then the Simo brothers, Mark and Brian Simo, who they were original founders, investors, took the sink public, and then they ended up being like majority shareholders. Mm. And so once the thing went public, kind of the rest of the crew got pushed out. So now these guys, <clears throat> you know, kind of gnarly human beings, really like alpha um, business acumen. So they came in and they basically wiped out the whole like executive team. Dang. So Gothard's gone, like all the VPs, VP of sales, Gothard's gone. Um, VP of marketing and like John Lee's gone and they took like this the whole middle management and brought all of us up <clears throat> so with you no know, pay raise no there was a good pay raise oh wow you know the most money I've ever made in this industry was at Spy so um, you know it was kind of a, a blessing and a curse you know like Gothard you know I worked for him for 15 years ish something like that and um yeah, I mean, he was a big part of my growth and success in this industry. So it was a bummer to see that. A bittersweet well, promotion. Yeah, I mean, I think Gothard's a guy you always want him on your team, you know, because he could fucking sell anything to anybody. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, you know, that's where... Ice to Eskimos. Ice to Eskimos, you know. Yeah, he could. Probably probably does. Um, Weed to stoners. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Sandra lifeguard. So how, how long, so, how long at, um, spy seven years. So, yeah. So 2008, you know, I think they kind of pushed like that executive team out 2007. So I think for me, it was like, is the writing on the wall? What's going to happen here? Didn't really know, you know, culture changed. Um, I was making good money. But kind of felt like you just never know what's around yeah. the corner. <clears throat> um, the brand was still pretty strong, but it was kind of feeling like everything changed when you go public, obviously. You know, it's like the whole purpose changes. Now it's like you're yep. fighting for the bottom line. You're not fighting for your spot in the lineup, you know. So at that point, then I decided to make a move. Um, there was like a kind of a short stint, which you were a part of, um, analog, Anon. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. I was in there. I don't even put that on my LinkedIn because it's so short for me. Like, because um, I wrapped it up. Well, could have been a good move. It was a short stint for me too. It was a short stint, you know. Actually, it was kind of a bummer because I, I left Spy, which I was in Siscar. a good position. Yeah, fucking, I was there before Siscar. Oh, you were. But he was, yeah, he came in a little bit later. Um, but he was like, he was like the VP of Anon for sales and marketing. So I reported to him, and then we had a marketing guy that reported to him. But that whole thing just sucked. Uh, it was like nine months, <clears throat> probably for nine months, and then they decided to kill the eyewear program. They kept the goggle program. So basically, yeah. I got clipped um, after about nine months. Dang. So from there, um, so that was kind of a short stint. Um, but yeah, you were there. You were the sales manager for Analog. So LC and I, we worked together for a brief period. I don't even Teamed remember. Up. I don't remember. BL. Yeah. Yeah. We had like BL and Kevin Meehan. Yeah. It was a sick crew. But um, 
I, I liked everything about Analog and Gravis on the West Coast, and I hated everything about the Burton side of... Same. Yeah. Those reps. The reps. Way too much fucking control. You well, know? I think well, LV... I think LV didn't like me because I, you know, I kind of pressed him on, you know, selling more sunglasses because he was such a goggle guy, such a snow guy. And we just, you know, conflicted. And I think he probably went to those guys and said, this guy's not good. Yeah. It, it got too uh, corporate and it got too, like, <clears throat> leveraging. Like, yeah. let's leverage this. You let's could see that. pretty quick, like, who was running the show. And, like, yeah. the reps held more value than, like, management yeah so if you're in good terms with the rep force then you were good but yeah. if you weren't you know your days were numbered yeah so because for us like our our forte and our expertise and our network and our you know our bread and butter is surf yeah right yeah and and people <clears throat> want to do business with us because we surf and we have you know good yeah. work ethic and you know if, if if we're putting a stamp of approval on a brand right like they're like okay we'll roll with this guy because you know he's one of us yeah and it, it got to a point where it's like uh you know like i can't i can't represent this i can't yeah. do this so yeah that's what happened right yeah i would say <clears throat> that was probably the uh, low point of my career yeah was that move me too. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Whatever. Which is a bummer because I spent two years there. Two years. I was. Well, you know, like they say, and any you're smarter than I was. Any business, I it takes choice. it takes about five years for that brand to kind of like, you know, make break it or make it. And it was at that like five year mark of Gravis Analog, yeah. and you know, and obviously certain, you know. Gravis was getting a lot of traction with the bags and, you know, like, and I don't know if it was doing a ton in their space, but, yeah. but, um, analog was like analog? right there. Yeah. Had some traction for to sure. Blow up. And the hardest place, you know, to crack a new brand is in Southern California with all the competition and all the like kind of heavyweight like retail. And it was right there. And then, yeah, done. I mean, dude, like they just, they blew the thing up prematurely. Yeah. And so like I had for some, sure. I definitely had some resentment towards like Burton and like, the marketing, the team crew, and then the people running it. I mean, you know, again, like you said, Lyndon, the like the the East Coast vibe versus what was going on here, like you know. Yeah. You, Meehan, Addie Patterson, like, you know, they had a good good team, you know, they like the uh, athletes. Yeah. They had a great yeah. dude. We got to keep going. Yeah. We're at three hours. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. So we'll keep going. Okay. So analog, you know, for me, that was just kind of a short stint. Um, low point for sure. But it led to new opportunities, right? So one door closes, another door opens. Yeah. And for me, <clears throat> uh, I had an opportunity to join Vans. Um, you know, I kind of always had like this, this relationship with Jeff Moore. You know, like Jeff was somebody that I respected. He was always like kind of high level management. Where's Jeff Moore from? Um, I think like the North County, San Diego area. Okay. So when I was working at Spy, you know, I'd meet up with him every once in a while for coffee down at Starbucks. And, um, you know, I think we just somehow connected 
um, through surfing and, you know, whatever. I can't remember, like, how we connected, but every once in a while, we just meet up for coffee and just talk surfing. We talk shop, you know, business. Yeah. So, so um, he, he got... So Jeff was the VP of sales for Vans, <clears throat> and position opened up, and I joined the Vans team as the core core channel sales manager. Sick. Yeah, so that was... That was awesome. I think you were at DVS, I remember. Okay. Because I remember that. And uh, and that's the time where Vans, at that point when you probably were there, it wasn't very cool. No, it wasn't. It sucked. So we were kind of on the you were in the, in the coming coals. back up. Yeah. We were kind of coming back up, so it was like hockey stick. So, yeah, I remember when I joined, you know, Nike was like yeah. the hot commodity. Which, you know? yeah. But it turned, kind of turned while I was there. Because again, so now we're talking 2008 to 2010. So yeah. I spent two years with Vans. Um, it was short, but, you know, I mean, that experience was invaluable for me because I learned a lot there too under Jeff. And, you know, Jeff at that point was probably the most strategic person I've ever worked for. Hmm. Um, very high level. I always remember him telling me, like, dude, get out of the weeds. You know, you got to fucking run your business high level. And um, so, you know, that was um, that was a good experience for me. Again, too, it was like walking into a situation where, <clears throat> yeah, we weren't like the most um, valuable brand on the shoe wall at that time. It was all about Nike, but it... It started to turn as the market turned, and we were kind of went into that weird recession, like 2008, 2009. Yeah. And so all of a sudden, like, kids stopped spending 90 bucks on that um, cup sole and went back to the, the $50 freaking vulcanized shoe. Yeah. So I was actually there when Vans hit their first $1 billion, which was pretty rad. It was yeah. a sales meeting. You, you were part of the upswing of, of Vans. Yes, on the upswing, it yeah. just kept swinging. But, you know, for me, like, that was kind of a short stint only because, um, you know, when I signed on, my travel was supposed to be, like, 30 40%. But we had some changeover because, again, you're talking about, <clears throat> like, big box stores. And so when I came in, like, our focus just shifted to the core channel. And so... I was, you know, we were making rep changes and like we had this whole like cadence, like every rep had to kind of walk the walk, talk the talk. So it's like if they weren't a skateboarder or at least surfed, they weren't, you know, going to be a part of like the core channel sales team. So Jeff basically came in and cleaned house, made a lot of changes and we put together like a whole new sales force. So when I started, there was a vacancy in Florida. So came in we hired you know a new team there and I was literally for two years I was traveling to the east coast three weeks every month damn it was fucking crazy you had a week home every month a week at home yeah basically got the point where I'd show up at Orange County Airport every Monday and the security guys knew me by first by first name it was nuts yeah it's just like you know At that point, you know, married, young family, kids are young, and uh, dude, you come home on a Friday, 
and you barely have enough time to just catch your breath before it's like the next trip. So that position and now kind of looking back, like it just has a lot of high turnover and, um, uh, but it's a great experience, you know, I'm yeah. super stoked that I was able to kind of go there and learned a lot along the way. Um, but ended up leaving there after about two years and had an opportunity to kind of start like kind of my own brand. Um, this guy who was on our Mentawi's boat trip with the spy crew, he was our chef, this guy, Andre Sickinger. Hmm. If, uh, if that name rings a bell. Um, Andre what? Sickinger. He's like a chef. He worked for the Indies traders for a long time. He was our chef on our freaking Indies trip to the Mentawis with the spy crew, Nick, Matt Bovard. You guys probably heard. Yeah. Fucking almost died. Yeah. Bovard beat the shit out of one of our chefs. And the guy <laughs> fucking tried to light our boat on fire. Yeah. And tried to yeah. stab him. Fucking, yeah. Guy tried to stab Bovard. Brady fucking grabbed his arm and literally like got a machete out of his arm. It was nuts, dude. <clears throat> that was a crazy trip. So, anyways, um, that's a whole other story. That's a whole that's other a whole story. Podcast. That's a whole other. Yeah, I think we'll wait for Bovard to tell us that. Hour. Yeah, dude, get Bovard to tell that story, please. Um, but uh, but yeah, great trip. Scored waves. Anyways, what so Andre, what's that? What brand? Yeah, what brand? I was at Spy. No, no, but like the chef started a brand. So he started a brand. I was at Vans at the time, and so I get a call like some of that crew. Like so, Andre was our chef on that trip. He worked for the Indies Trader. So he reached out to some of us, like Gothard, myself, Brian, you know, Nick, Nick Hennessy. He's like, hey, I just got the license for this brand based out of Australia. It's an eyewear brand and it's kind of a price point, you know, kind of at that time, like a mid-tier, like Hoven. Mm. And he's like, I got the license and can you guys just kind of help point me in the right direction? So everybody kind of jumped in and just said, well, this is what you want to do, you know, probably, you know, put yourself somewhere in Southern California, Orange County, and um, just try to kind of help give them a little like direction, like where to base and, you know, how to run a business. Yeah. Um, And so he gets over here and he's got the license to- Did you see the product at all yet? Yeah. So he shows up. And um, he was actually at Surf Expo. I think that was one of the things I said, like, you should go Surf Expo. Here's a couple guys that could potentially be sales reps. You got to pay these guys commission. And so <clears throat> I, see, I see Andre show up at Surf Expo and I'm there with Vans. And um, I check out the product. It's like a full range, like 20 styles, like great price points, like $60 polarized. And I was like, whoa, this thing's actually like pretty legit. And uh, he's like, yeah, but I don't really know what I'm doing. And but it's impressive. But yeah, my five for somebody who doesn't know what they're doing, like what was it called? Kind of press. So it's called filtrate. Oh fuck. Okay. So it's called filtrate. You know, they've been in Australia. You know, they told me for like seven years and had like a half a million dollar business, something like that. I've never heard of it, <clears throat> but it looked interesting to me. You know, and that was at a time when like eyewear was like you were either at the bottom or you at the top in terms of price point but there was nothing really in that middle and so he's like hey how about this i got a couple investors lined up they want to invest in this thing and and uh need to to bring somebody like legit 
yeah, I just need to bring somebody in who just knows the market and can help me run this business. <clears throat> so it's like, you know, I'll give you some equity. And so I'm like, oh, okay, now you're speaking my language. So we ended up getting this, this guy, Lewis Bird. He was like a big Nike, um, came from Nike, like big executive from Nike. And he's like, came in, invested a bunch of money. And so that financed the business. And we already had like product and all the marketing and creative was coming out of Australia. So I was like, like, fuck, all you need is somebody to come in, like hire some sales reps and just go attack the market. And so he's like, yeah, that's you. So basically <clears throat> offered me something that um, included ownership and uh, it's a little bit more money than what I was making in Vans. And so I was like, okay, let's go. We need the so, warehouse uh, right around the corner from my house. And, St. Clement. And, yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> dude, easy. Like, just put the warehouse. I think they already had that. I think he was already in St. Clement. So Damn. it made me made it easy for me to yeah. go and meet with them. So, yeah, that was, you know, that was kind of a fun run, too. Um, How long was that? That was about four years. What was that? Wow. So 2010 to 2014. So you grew up from pretty much nothing in America to, to what when you left in four years? God, it was like like three and a half, four million, you know, which it's doesn't sound like a lot, but there was just a lot of challenges there. Yeah. yeah. You know, like investors, finance, the back end, <clears throat> for sure. There was like, um, there was some friction too with like Andre who owned the rights to the US. And then you have the guys in Australia who started to see like, whoa, dude, these guys are fucking passing us up in the first six months. They're doing more in six months than we've done in seven years. And so they started to want to get involved. Trying to force them out and do some work. <clears throat> well, it's just eventually that's kind of what happened, but it was like, you know, then we brought in a bigger investor and then we brought this thing into a global entity. So at the time it was like, you know, we had a percentage of like, a distribution agreement, but then we formed it into a global entity. And you get a percentage of the global. Then my like ten percent of the U.S. was like three percent of this like global entity, yeah. which is still insane, you know, because that was handed to me. Um, and then yeah, to work out from there. Some, well, some then, cash then, when you then it's like then the investors were like, hey, we want you know the Australian team to come out here and be based out here and kind of have you guys all together because like they were kind of a bigger driving force for design but we were running a bigger business we fucking like overshadowed their business in six months Mm. um yeah so it was like you know we ended up getting like tilly's on board they came on board like all stores and like rei and you know we started yeah i remember i kind of remember filtrate for sure no it was definitely so it it happened quick but then at the same time, um, you know, we had some challenges with production and like all of a sudden, like the East Coast and anywhere that had like a humid climate, Puerto Rico. Started twisting Florida, the frames. Dude, like the polarization was like delaminating Oof. and it was like, and those were good areas for us. And those were the so, good areas, yeah. So then it was like, oh shit, red flag. Our production sucks, and this again is coming from you know the guys in Australia because they controlled all of our design and production. So then it was like, now we really need these guys out here so that we 
could show them firsthand, yeah, like, like yeah, all, the, all the issues. So those guys, there was some friction there. So the Aussie crew came out and kind of pushed Andre out of his position and, um, you know, kind of sucked because like him and I together kind of built this whole market. And so these guys came in little, you know, they, they had an ulterior motive in mind, you know, kind of come to find out. You know, I think the one guy was like getting a kickback from the factories. Mm. So it was like, you know, hey, this product costs. No, this factory's like good, dude. We'll just give him another chance. And dude, good. it was like always yeah. oh, like, hey, we have inventory, but it's like, no, we need another PO. We need to place more production. I was like, dude, I think we're good. Like, I think we just need to get like, you know, put a little away. Like, you know, make sure, you know, we've got some finances and resources to like yeah. continue to grow. Like we don't need more inventory. So I don't know, there's some weird things going on there, but it was always like he would, they would never stray from our production facility. And we just continue to have issues with production. So yeah, we, you saw the writing on the wall. So that. we never got around it. And so ultimately, um, yeah, I had to walk away because <clears throat> one, you got a reputation on the line and I'm working with like, you know, the Bruce Cromarty's of the world and like the Jacks of the world. And you know, it's like, yeah, at some point I just couldn't get behind it anymore. Yeah. And like tell you, you gotta believe, you gotta be, that's, you gotta that's believe a in hard the product. thing. It's a hard position to be in. Yeah. So, cause uh, you know, you, you, you move from company to company and you get to this place where you have ownership. Right. Yeah. And, you know, when you have ownership, you have way pride. more passion and pride. Yeah, for yeah, sure. Yeah, and, and and people like you're telling people, hey, this is shit. Yeah, this is a shit, and I'm an owner in this, and yeah. you need to back me and this brand. Yeah. So. So it's a hard decision. At the hard end of the day, it just we couldn't get around it, couldn't get it fixed, and it just no to me, it just no longer felt good. You know, I couldn't sit there and like talk to the crew at Jackson you know, 17th Street and Heritage and those guys and, and try to sell them on something that I just didn't feel good about. So, yeah. um, so from there, I left and ended up going to a brand called Rich or Poor. Socks. Socks. Tees. Yeah. So socks, tees, tees, that stuff kind of came a little bit later, but that was at a time when like stance you know, that category was on fire. Like, stands yeah. came in the market. And, and, and talking about brands that, that started in the same town, right? Didn't yes. Richard and Forrest, right, yeah. right yeah. there, San Juan, or yeah. was San it Juan. San Juan? Yeah, Cabo Beach. And Cabo Beach, so like... Which is funny because we just had Kingman on. Yeah. And Kingman... I need to listen to that one. Brought the... Uh, he's like, yeah. He's like, Stance came on, and he was like, who would have thought another sock brand was happening in the same fucking <laughs> at the same fucking time yeah but we didn't talk about richard poor that Specifics. much but we brought it up it was yeah. like that's wow. why i mentioned it. i'm like wow they started in the fucking same town like, same yeah. time too same time. yeah uh a little bit later i think i mean stance was probably maybe a year or two already in you know? yeah okay they, they had a huge head start but stance was like the more action sport brand Richard Poor kind of came in with a little bit different more slack, approach. More dressy, like yeah, it's more Tim, elevated, Tim kind of more contemporary. Yeah, Tim Morris. Tim Morris yeah. was, um, you know, he's one of the founders, owners. Because I saw that brand in a lot more of 
the stores the I sold Rucre in that was, you know, yeah. like Stance was, like you said, more like core action sports. and More action sports. And so we kind of looked at like, hey, this is an opportunity to kind of be like this whole like Coke and Pepsi thing, you know? Yeah. Like Vans and Nike, you know, Channel yeah. Islands Mayhem, yeah. you know, Billabong Quicksilver, whatever. You know, so kind of looked at it like that, you know, maybe there's an opportunity to expand on this category because that so category is hot. Did, did Tim start it, right? Tim started it with... Uh, uh, his partner was Eva, his girl Eva. They started it together, and um, it was really cool. Like in the beginning, like um, what is it? Not the Black Eyed Peas, but fuck, what's that band, dude? Come on, help me out, Black. De La Soul. No. Tribe Called Quest. No, it's, it's Black Keys. Black. Oh, Keys. Black Keys. The Black Keys. The rock and roll. Uh, Alicia. Yeah. Alicia. Yeah, no. Black Keys. No, black, black keys, black, but not, no, black, not, not black eyed keys. Black keys, not Alicia keys, not black eyed keys. Black keys, yes. Ah, black those keys. guys are behind that. They, yeah, they were. Wow. Um, yeah, I they love were investors. Black keys, by the way. So they were doing all these like cool like, like keys. black keys collaborations, and like they're like, yeah, you want to go to a concert? Fuck, anytime. There was a killer black keys collaboration when I signed up. So anyways, like. Hey, this is a, a model that I'm very familiar with, Count and Phil, um, but a category not so much. So, but anyways, I was just sitting here on the sidelines looking at stance, just go freaking crazy, you know, creating a category and, um, you know, just that success was insane to watch. So <clears throat> anyways, did that. That was kind of fun, you know, for me. I was there for four years and took, we took that thing from pretty much nothing to about six million. Damn. So yeah, that's a lot of socks. Yeah. But it expanded, um, you know, like men's underwear, and then ultimately <clears throat> there was like a basic. All I wore. All I wore. Know, this guy was, ate my promo budget. Yeah, I took your promo tees. budget. Great tees, just great pocket tees. Black, white, fit good. Navy. Felt that's all I ever wore. So, yeah, on you. So they kind of developed this whole like basics program. So it was like basic tees, like sweats, fleece. Um, and so that was cool, um, you know, but it was pretty contemporary, you know, it was a little bit kind of out of my lane, but it was fun for me to kind of learn, yep. you know, that contemporary business and like who the players were. And so I did that for four years and then, <clears throat> fuck, you want to go Tommy Gunn. You want to go on again? The pirate ship pulled up. Pirate, yeah. Ahoy! Yeah. Ahoy, Fleurs. So that thing, that thing came up, and I, I remember I was at Surf Expo. We're talking about Salty Crew for those that are listening. Tom yes. again. Yes. Tommy again. Tom Ruiz. So I was at Surf Expo, and I had a booth, a Richard Port booth, right next to a Globe booth. And so I was there, you know, kind of hanging out with Sherwood, and I was kind of like, yeah, this thing, I don't know, it's, it's okay, it wasn't super fired up, you know. <clears throat> they wanted to kind of take it um, out of wholesale and... Direct to consumer. More direct to consumer, and they wanted to kind of get out of surf um, and focus more on women's. So I was like, okay, you know, fuck, I don't know. My days sound like maybe they're numbered here. So, anyways, talking to Sherwood, and uh, he's like, dude, he's like, Salty Crew's hiring for a sales manager. He's like, you should go talk to Tom. 
I'm like, well, I don't really know him, but he's like, oh, don't worry about it. He's like, well, I'll introduce you. <laughs> so that was setup day. Um, so we're done with setup. <clears throat> we're all staying at the Hilton, you know, Lazy River. And so I, I come down there, actually with Tim. Tim was with me. We're walking down. We're just going to jump in the pool. And um, I hear, Florio! I look over, and there's Sherwood and Tom Reese sitting at the bar, hanging out, having a beer. He's like, come over here. And so I'm like, tell, so I tell Tim, I'm like, hey, I'll, I'll come meet you. I'll come jump in the water. I'll be there in a minute. Because I already knew, like, walking in over there, like. You can't bring Tim. I can't yeah. bring my boss <laughs> if I can interview. Yeah. So. Um, you knew you were getting interviewed. Yeah, yeah. I knew that was the intent. First, yeah. first impression. The, the, the initial talk for the rest of the yeah yeah your first impression you better yeah. you better do that tough guy shot right away so i mean <laughs> tough guy shot. yeah just hanging out having beer and yeah this good first kind of like intro you know just kind of uh kind of warm up yeah that was a warm-up you know kind of a tester you know tom like quizzed me on a couple things asked me a couple things and um you know i sure would support um so that was huge because you know globe had already taken 50% ownership of Salty Crew. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I, I was talking to Tom a little bit at the show, and he did tell me, he's like, hey, you're kind of coming in late to, uh, to the interview process, but let's hook up when we both get back into town. <clears throat> so, being a sales guy that I am, I kind of took advantage of my time at the show and like I remember I saw like Tyler Brown and Tom Brown and I'm like kind of pulled them aside at the booth and I'm like hey I'm applying for the Salty Crew job what can you tell me and so Tom's just like whoa he's like my number one t-shirt brand and they were both like dude Salty Crew's killing it I'm like I'm like Tyler will you put in a good word for me he's like dude I'm gonna walk over there right now yeah like, epic and so I knew a couple of their reps, um, Terry Claudio, <clears throat> he was one, one of my reps for, for Spy. Um, you you laid the foundation. Dude, I already knew, like, yeah. okay, I'm coming in late. How do I fucking get yeah. to the top of the lineup, you know? So I started hitting up a couple accounts, you know, kind of discreetly. Um, hit up, like, Jenner at Active. Um, just a couple people, you know? And so those guys made a couple phone calls. You went on the offense. <clears throat> Dude, went on offense yeah. straight away. And, um, you know, like Casey, uh, obviously no, I know Casey. Like Casey and I have like some family ties. Uh, my stepdaughter is Casey's niece. So, you know, Casey and I, we kind of share like some family ties. Yeah. And um, I didn't know that. Did you know that? Yeah. You guys are tied in? We're tied in. You and... Curtis? Curtis. Casey Curtis? Yeah, a little bit. Long story. Knee brace? <clears throat> we'll have to go kind of rewind the timeline there if you want. But um, so anyways, um, yeah, I'm just fucking probing. Working the Tom. angles. Just, yeah. Yeah, just won't even let him go, dude. Texting him every day, calling him. And I was like, dude, I, I want to get back into like kind of more like action sports. So, yeah, that ended up working out, you know, paid off and... Um, you know, I think I paid enough people, you know, to uh, kind of be in my corner and ended up getting hired there. 
And that was a fucking dream run. That was the last four years of my life. Yeah, jumped on the pirate ship. Yeah. You and, and what a great time because, like you said, they were blowing up. And blowing up, still blowing up. Yeah, still. I mean, dude, that thing, that thing is on fire for sure. Yeah. That was the rocket ship. I mean, Another rocket ship. I mean, taken, taken. That was a rocket ship. Yeah. And then, bam. But, I mean, what can I say, dude? It's been been a pretty good run between Arnett, Spy, Vans, um, and then Salty Crew. Like, but you know, uh, and, and again, give, you know, tip our hats off to the the guys at Salty Crew. Is you know, there's so many watermen within our industry and there's so many people that are at it like divers and fishermen and stuff and yeah. it's just kind of like that silent parallel and they came out and exploited that part of everybody's kind of hobby slash passion slash like part of their life yeah in a perfect timing with a perfect name that ties back to jared's you know boat he grew up on with his you know like it's just it's just a cinderella story you know in a sense perfect. it's a great american story it, it is, is. Yeah. it's freaking awesome it's a perfect storm you know in yeah. When you think about like the kind of the four like main uh, people involved in that business with Jared, yeah, you know, being the founder, Milo, Milo. from Hanger, dude, you know, and other founder, an incre- incredible businessman, retailer slash brand builder that created. S&P. It's another Arnett in a weird yeah. like. <clears throat> it uh, was, and that parallel. trajectory was pretty similar. Yeah, in terms of like how fast like that that brand His, grew. Because you have like in a different category, you 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 have Bruce Beach, Tom uh, Tom Ruiz, right? Those two guys that like are up here, and then the guys that work with him, you, right? Yeah. Instead of sunglasses, you're selling fucking, you know, fifties. <clears throat> yeah, I mean hats and tees, lots of hats and tees. Yeah, but I mean it's just. I think everything there again, it was kind of timing. It was kind of just a perfect storm because you got, yeah. you know, obviously Jared Milo, the founders, then you bring in Tom, who's, you know, I would say probably one of the best in the business when it comes to like apparel, just knowing how to run that apparel business, business acumen, connecting the dots, working with design, production, and just bringing the, the whole team together. Yeah. yeah. Probably with best in the business I would say and then you've got CJ Hobgood I mean that's just a, it's a dynamic little team right there and then you bring in Globe who runs a very good operation yeah um, you know you put those things together and you're basically teed up for success yeah so but that was a great ride and, you know? and at Salty Crew you ran US sales. sales. I was nas- like national, <coughs> I was sales, national manager. sales manager. So Tom's role, you know, his Global title, VP, I think, was like president, whatever. Global like sales director. <laughs> but yeah, you know, I say like kind of the first year with him, yep. he was pretty hands on, um, you know, and like to just really have like that control, everything that happens in the department. And then, <clears throat> you know, as I kind of learned how he operates, and he's fucking gnarly, dude. Gnarly. You know, One like of the you gnarliest gotta learn in our fast. business. Yeah. You gotta fucking Hats off, fast. Tom Ruiz. Yeah. You, you gotta learn fast. Arr, you gotta know yeah. your shit, and you just you gotta be in fifth gear all the time. 
Yep. Um, because if you don't, is there more gears in fifth gear? No. Yes. So you, there is. You yeah. put it into fifth gear and you stay in fifth gear. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, just Tom, he knows his shit, and um, so you kind of had to learn fast. That for me was my first real um, career in apparel. You know, I didn't have, as you guys can see, I don't have a apparel background. Yeah. And so now I'm kind of learning from the best. So you had to learn quick and. Um, you know, timing was everything. So, you know, I'd say after like the first year, he kind of loosened up the reins. I don't even want to say that because he's probably like, he's like, are you kidding me? Uh, you know? Yeah. You just learned how to work with him. Well, you just know, eventually you just kind of know. His expectations. Like, what yeah. your expectations are. Yeah. <clears throat> and so. Um, and they become your expectations. And they become my expectations. Yeah. And you fucking kind of turn it into like Tom 2.0. Yeah. And, uh, but yeah, it was a great run. And, and um, opportunity came hard up. Hard to leave, super hard to leave. But at the same time, you know, where I'm at in life, in my career, um, you know, that's a big business and it's a great business. And I'm super fortunate and blessed to have been a part of that, that journey, you know, going from like, I think 13 million to almost 50 <laughs> in four years. You know, dude, yeah. I lost a lot of fucking personal time, you know? Yeah. I was, yeah. no joke, I, I was pretty You're much working like 12 so, hours a day. Yeah. You're in a marathon. Though, so, so yeah, it was a marathon. Ironman. It was a sprint, dude. Yeah. So, I just, <clears throat> I think I got to a point where, um, you know, for me, like I've been doing this a while and I think it was just time for me to look at my career path and what was next. And even though, you know, there was probably some opportunity to stay there and, and maybe continue to evolve, um, this opportunity with rhythm came up. And for me, the attraction was right away. You know, I've always been a fan of the brand, um, you know, from just design, aesthetics, kind of their, their place in the market, point of view, um, I was always kind of attracted to rhythm and um, I just felt like, you know, there's a, kind of a lot going on in the market and, you know, maybe now was the time to take my career and like just elevate my career. Mm, yeah. You know, felt like it was kind of time to do it. <clears throat> so that opportunity was presented and uh, yeah, and that, that's what I'm That happened today. pretty Happened recently, right? Well, yeah. I'm two weeks in. Yeah. I'm about two weeks in. Yeah, Christmas uh, present. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it's been kind of a crazy ride, you know. Like, my um, exit with Salty was a little bit extended. Um, you know, I think it kind of came to them as a surprise. And, um, you know, because Salty, that was family, you know. And so, but, you know, I, I feel like I got their blessing. I left on good terms, and Tom was like, hey... Um, you know, I'm happy for you. Yes, yeah. you know, like you've worked your ass off and this is opportunity for you to, you know, elevate your role and and kind of take your career to a whole new dimension. So cool. I was stoked to get their blessing and Yeah. 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 So I mean, three we're, weeks. We're fucking we we You know me. I've always been a big fan of Sean Fleur's Florian. <laughs> Right? Like you, when I first started working with uh, Outer Known, 
and yeah. I needed a, a, a place to like show Outer Known a at booth? Surf Expo. Dude, you were like, dude, come to my booth. Yeah. And I was like, really? You're going to let me, you know, show my line at your booth? And you're like, yeah, fuck, dude. Do it. Yeah, no, for sure. We've had, you and I together, I mean, we've had, we've had a good run. You know, our, our positions have always been pretty similar, you yeah. know? And, uh, but I'll never forget your generosity, and even Tim didn't even care. I was like super psyched on yeah, that. Yeah, dude. I mean, like hey, it was not a together. problem at all. Yeah, and, and that's what our industry is about. Like, yeah, we're all competitors. Yeah, again, and, and within the brands we work with, but we're all just we're all in this to win. We want all of us yeah. to yeah. succeed, and we if all. If you're winning, if you're winning, we're all winning. We're all winning. Yeah. you know, it's kind yeah. of a rising tide lifts all boats, right? Yeah. So it's good for the industry. So, but that brings us where we're at. Well, today. we'll have to do a, a follow up after you've gotten your, uh, you know, your one year after. Really? Yeah, one year anniversary yeah. here. We'll see. We'll see yeah. where things are at. Yeah, but things Dude. are good. I mean, I'm stoked. It's I got a good little team, and you know, we own a factory. So it's like being in the apparel business. Like that's a huge advantage. Oh. And, Dude, <clears throat> I think uh, in this new retail climate. Um, the, the biggest brands, they're still the same. You know, you have your Quicksilver, Billabong, Ruka, but Rhythm is definitely has a stake in the market, you know, like, and you're at a good time of, of you know, it being inter- introduced to the brand. You're, you're, you're like the perfect dude to elevate the next, you know, evolution of what rhythm means to the you know again market. it's timing yeah it's great i think timing. there's a good time and um yeah there's a lot going on and there's a lot of good brands and um you know for me i always look at things like timing always plays a hand in success and so i saw the same I'm like okay the timing's good you know i know a couple accounts have already told me like yes you know yeah. the brand's already been doing good we see opportunity for growth and I already kind of knew like the men's was men's, you know, product was good, did pretty well, but women's and then swim, like, you know, rhythm swims, like number one and two, three, like in the market for most of the shops. I was like, that's enough to get me excited to come over here and try that across other categories and divisions. And yeah, yeah. Boost it. That's it, man. Dude. Yeah. Happy New Year. Yeah. Happy New Year. Christmas. Yes. Congrats on the new position. Yeah, that was Appreciate awesome, it. dude. We'll see you at Surf Expo next week. Dude, we'll be there. Not sharing Are we a good We're going to go hijack the Salty Crew dinner again. <laughs> Why wouldn't we? Dude, I'm in. At least drinks. Let's do it. I'm Happy in. New Year. Congrats, Sean, Fleurs, Florian. Yeah, thanks, boys. Woo! Bonsai Bulls. Hands down, the best bulls, period. Seven locations. Two in Hawaii. Five in Southern California, bonsai bowls. Go get some. Caliente Southwest Grill. Clean, healthy Mexican food. Everything is made fresh daily using produce from local farms. Their salsa, their dressing, and even their marinades are made from fresh produce in-house, so almost all of the menu is naturally gluten-free and extremely clean. Family-owned, showing local love for 22 years. Check out their website, calientesouthwest.com, for all your party pack and catering needs. You can also call them at 949-515-0909.
calientesouthwest.com. Ashland Hard Seltzer, made from all natural ingredients. No sugar, zero carbs, gluten-free. Great taste and guilt-free good times. Ashland Hard Seltzer. Shade Sunscreen. The best sunscreen for all surfers. Shade Sunscreen. It's been around since the sun. Shade, Shade. Sunscreen. Clearweather is a family-owned footwear brand started by our friends Josh and Brandon Brubaker. They are driven to create their own path in the corporate sneaker world. Less corporate, more independent. Clearweather. Clearweatherbrand.com. Fuwax is the best, ickiest, stickiest wax in the game. Fuwax. Late Night with Chalky is supported by Inherent Bummer. Surf entertainment, thoughtful writing, surf videos, music, and fresh hell for the core surf community. Remember, it's not the end of the world. Subscribe and check it all out at InherentBummer.com. Thanks for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the show. Please give us a five-star rating and spread the word. Special thanks to our good friends, James Williams, for our awesome artwork, and Justin Reynolds for the amazing music.